Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DesperateProducts.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Drummer today, we got Birdie. Hello. And Nico. What's going on? And yeah, a bit of a first here on the comics podcast for us is we're going to be talking about a manga. Yes. Yeah, uh, today we're going to take a look at the first two volumes of Naoki Urasawa's Pluto. Should say Naoki Urasawa and Takashi Nagasaki's Pluto, because it is co-authored. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if it's just because like I haven't looked at like more recent volumes and stuff, or I just never paid that much close attention. Apparently, Urasawa's been working with uh, Nagasaki forever. Yeah, I guess I just haven't looked that closely. I didn't always associate it because every everything with Urasawa's name on it always says Urasawa's blank. So yeah, you're not necessarily He's always... aware of. <laughs> Yeah, he's always like front and center. Like even with this, the like new cover is like Urasawa cross Tezuka. I mean, they even got uh, more top billing on these volumes for Osamu Tezuka because of the Astro Boy thing on these volumes, right? Even though yeah. he has nothing to technically do with this, other than obviously the creation of that character, which he's basing this loosely on. So, um, but yeah, um, you know, I I think uh, yeah, you're right. I never really noticed that either, to be honest with you. I just because even like his older works, like Viz came out with all those like um, those Master Keaton books that I own, yeah, and he wasn't the right of those he was just doing the art but then after a while he took over more of the writing duties as the actual series progressed so i, I mean i guess the whole biz- business of comics is different you know works differently obviously in japan right so uh, yeah. it's, it's interesting how how that um yeah he doesn't get top billing this guy even though i guess he co-authors these things with him yeah he's been working with him on like most things of his that i love like monster and like 20th century boys he's involved with like those are like uh, what else is he do we know off the hand i'm just curious because i'm like i own all those books but i don't like I you am, said I, I never see his name here like uh-huh, <laughs> front, front yeah center. i don't know I, it might just be like an editor thing because he because he does he does say that like uh nagasaki was like serving as an editor for a while Right, which all like I don't like uh, manga artists. The, that the the editor artist relationship again is like more personal there in Japan than it is like here, like in uh-huh. terms of Western comics, right? Like I know that's another different thing that they have going for them, right? Yeah. And so they, uh, yeah, so he co-authored Billy Bat. Oh, which they've never translated to English. Which they've never yet. officially translated uh, to English. I know. I've heard that's like a really good one too. And he was a story wouldn't... co-producer on Monster and 20th Century Boys. There you go. But yeah, so this is Pluto. For those who don't know, uh, this is a fucking, this is a fucking thing. I love it this is. book. Yeah, Pluto is... because. Go ahead. I'll let you say it, then I'll say my okay, thing. Yeah. So Pluto is a fantastic story. Uh, it is a neo-noir retelling of the greatest robot on Earth story from Astro Boy, written yeah. by the god of manga, Osamu Tezuka. Yeah. That is his name that was given to him by the Japanese people. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your thing, Bernie? Yeah, so I was just uh, on the verge of saying... So we have, I can't remember the exact order, but uh, Urasawa had already kind of established himself as a legend in Japanese comics already because he had finished, I don't know if he had finished Monster by this point, but 
I am double checking. You can keep talking about stuff. Okay. So don't, just, don't just want dead air while I'm looking up stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, he so he he if he had not finished monster, he had done a lot of monster by this point, and on top of that, he had already uh, done and the lesser known but still kind of amusing uh, detective franchise, Master Keaton. So he had already had several big hits under his belt when he just decided, hey, uh, I'm going to tackle one of the most beloved franchises in manga history, like literally one of the cornerstones of the entire genre, and do my own take on it. And it still turned out pretty good. Yeah. And he was doing this, so looking at, looking at, looking at notes and stuff, he, was do, he did this book while doing 20th Century Boys. <laughs> Fucking uh, what an output that like yeah, yeah Monster uh, was a ninety four to oh one, twentieth century boys was ninety nine to oh six, and Pluto was oh three to oh nine. I'm curious, Bertie, if you had gotten some of this stuff be, uh, from the in the in the first volume. There was an interesting uh, postscript at the back that kind of uh, talked about uh, the president of Tezuka Productions, kind of discussing about how he he came up with this idea and came to them um, on like the birthday of. Um, of um i guess like astro boy like there was like an anniversary or something of astro boy and he and 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 that is when he came to them with this idea that he wanted to base this book on and the and the guy at tezuka that productions that, that had to allow him to be able to use this uh you know to, for for pluto um was like i don't know why you're coming to me with already another established idea based on astro boy when you already are such a established artist like you're in your own right like you already right <laughs> yeah, like well, you, i would imagine like given because people still love monster if you haven't read monster read monster it's just it's a tad too yeah. long for most people if, if you don't there's a lot it. of it and the way i read it uh, which was read the first three volumes and then nothing for seven years and then finish it off. I forgot everything about it. And that's yeah. the problem. I think I think that's why I kind of like Pluto. Other than Pluto, Monster is probably my favorite work of his. But like it's so close. And I was reminded upon rereading these two volumes in preparation for the show because I've already read it before. And you know I own Monster and this. But like it's one of those things where like. I um like it does take a long time to get to like the resolution in monster and like I think that's a problem is sometimes along the way people like you lose the thread a little bit in some of his stories with some of the mysteries like because it's like he kind of layers all the mysteries one on top of another yeah, it's very like, densely packed right but this is nice because it's only eight single volumes and it's in and it starts off with the bang like this is like off to the races this book like as oh soon yeah as you they and I realized that like rereading it, I was like, "Wow, this happens way faster than I remember." Just because you're, I'm so used to his long, long form storytelling in 20th Century Boys and Monster, right? Like, yeah, which is, yeah, yeah, like like so, the, those they impressive. were those they were ordinary people like got getting stuck in like insane situations and falling down a conspiracy rabbit hole. Kind of right. Billy bats that too. Okay. Uh, with this yeah, though, same with 20th Century Boys and uh, yeah, with, to a lesser extent. Um, uh, Master Keaton. Master Keaton's more episodic, so it's more episodic. Yeah, yeah. But with this, it is very much like, all right, we have a set story. We know exactly how it ends. We know exactly how it begins because it's based on a fucking like at this point, like seventy, eighty. Like how fucking old was Greatest Robot on Earth? Uh, Astro Boy, the original comic, started in sixty three. 
I believe. This is 50 years after he started, I think, the, the this this book. I think that's what the anniversary was when he went to the uh, Tezuka Productions to get them to allow him to use this. Uh-huh. I think, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, or is it 60 years? Uh, I think, I think it, was, years? it would have been 40 years at the time. Yeah, it would have been like 30, 40 years. Okay. Because I'm assuming I, the first story in Astro Boy wasn't the strongest robot on Earth. No, no, it was very campy. Uh, oh, this this kid, he's super strong. He's basically a Superman. He just looks like a cute little kid robot, though. So He's got guns in his butt. Yeah, which must be where TMNT got that joke, because I kept saying, it has butt cannons. <laughs> uh, I, I, feel, I do feel the need to confess that I am not overly familiar with Astro Boy as a property to the extent that the only Astro Boy thing I've engaged of in I've engaged with in its entirety is the American animated animated version. Yeah, I've I have some experience with the manga because I sought out to read it. <clears throat> uh, but my main exposure was uh Fox Kids aired a an a new Astro Boy anime in the nineties. So that was my main exposure to it. Uh, uh, yeah, I have next to no expo. I I know who he is. I've seen the mangas before. Yeah. Like Dark Horse collected them into like a bunch of like uh, omnibus editions like years ago. That uh, I, I but I've never read it. I don't. I've never even really watched any of the cartoons or anything like that. Other than me being aware of who he yeah. is and who, the creator, I'm, I've never. Ex- it, really it, it, it is. It is sad that Dead arguably watched the least good Astro Boy thing that exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. The, the, the only reason I enjoy it is because I can now use it as an excuse to make Nick Cage jokes. Yeah. The Astro Boy movie is a bland and forgettable, but ultimately inoffensive child action movie, which in doing that makes it an offensive adaptation of Astro Boy. Yeah. The, that <laughs> you, you took something with as much depth and meaning. Like, I, I guess people assumed because of the kitty look of the thing that they can't go for harder stuff. Yeah. But that's stupid to me because, well, even American animation has proved you can do darker, more meaningful storylines. And I think it was around that looks kitty. And I think it was around the time that that movie came out that the Wachowski sisters also made the best live action anime adaptation of all time with speed racer. Yeah, a movie which I will never watch. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm sure it must be. <laughs> I had a migraine. <sighs> I'd make a joke, but I'm the, I'm the person who won't watch Clockwork Orange because I get motion sick. <laughs> but anyway. But, uh, yeah. Let us get into Pluto. Yeah, uh, we should. Uh, there's two uh, interesting things I wanted to note. One of them in the story appropriate, and one uh, just timing appropriate for when we decided to do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, given when this started airing, this is technically the 20th anniversary of the Pluto manga, and um, this is probably more appropriate when we get to volume two. But it also happens to be the uh, 20th anniversary of the Iraq War. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> oh God, that came out of nowhere. I thought you were going to be. I thought we were going a different direction. You've read this, so no, I have. 
but also we had talked earlier about how we had decided, hey, let's do Pluto next, and then a week later, the Netflix trailer dropped for the Pluto adaptation. Mm. Yeah, that too. That I, that was by combat by that was just blessed timing for like we were just like you know we kind of want to we like this thing let's watch it and then huh <laughs> and then huh netflix is gonna fuck it up yeah but yeah we'll we'll go into more when we get further into the story but i had forgotten how big a role the iraq war plays in this story yeah so we start off with some colored pages for those who aren't familiar with manga we don't get a lot That's of color. Rare. Yeah, I, I appreciate how every volume starts with first full color, then the minimized red and blue color. Just to kind of lead into every story. Yeah. Honestly, I wish DC would learn something from this with all their weird color gimmicks with their comics. <laughs> yeah, so it's a forest fire uh, out in uh, Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. Yeah, it's this massive, massive fire going on. We see destruction across the land like for, like uh, firefighters they crest a hill and just see obliterated lands uh, at which point a scientist by the name of Do- or the name of professor reinhardt runs up screaming for mont blanc uh, mont blanc is a robot he yeah, is a he's a kind of silly looking robot a kind of silly looking one and apparently one of the seven strongest robots to ever be built yeah one of the deadliest machines ever created <laughs> Yeah, as we see a torn-off robot arm and some Chernabog-looking motherfucker in a massive gout of flame. As we then cut over to our main character, Gesicht. I'm probably pronouncing that name wrong. I believe it's Gesicht, but I'd have to, I'll look it up. Yeah, it's German for face. Yeah, which is amusing. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he has a very nondescript face. <laughs> yeah, he has a very Urasawa protagonist face. You know what, well, though? You, I mean... well, you, say, you say Urasawa protagonist face, but one thing I've always loved about Urasawa manga is how much just the structure of the face imbues personality into characters. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I just like, I yeah. I look at like a lot of Urasawa protagonists and like the main no, thing that changes... they do have very like doughy basic faces. I've I've, I've heard criticisms about his art in that regard as well, but I also feel like personally, like one, like you said, like he has greatest expression of those uh, expressions, like, uh, like on his characters, like he's, he's able to like do, he does great work. Like when it comes to that kind of stuff. And also like, I never am confused by what characters I'm looking at. Like he may use like a lot of similar looking characters, maybe throughout his different works, but when in, but with like, cause compared to other manga, like sometimes you get, like there's so many characters sometimes in them and there's a lot of people that look similar like the way they're drawn like this this i always know who i'm looking at in his well, books yeah, yeah this is it, a, I'm never confused it's a very like grounded understated and solid art style for him it's great i i i don't get why people like i've heard people criticize oh he doesn't do backgrounds i'm like who fucking cares look at the way these characters emote like it's it's fantastic like a lot of his art like well, he really I wasn't even talking about that i was just talking well, that is true. I was going to talk about just like structure of faces because, and Dead has read more isekai manga than me, so he's familiar with this problem as well. I am so sick of like generic base shovel face. Yeah, just so, some fucking dude who is so nondescript. Everyone wants to fuck him. Yeah, but you, I can distinctly remember facial features of characters in Urasawa manga. That is not true of most mangas. Yeah, but, I. 
Absolutely. Whether yeah. it's like a large nose or like, you know what I mean? Like there is distinct features of a lot of these characters I find. Um, and I always know who we're look like when you're introduced to a character and he pops back into the story, even in his long form stuff. I think he does a really good job with, with that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. I always know who I'm looking at. Yeah. But like that first panel of just his full face, it is just the most Urasawa looking motherfucker. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually think of like- <laughs> I can't actually think of three other Urusawa manga that have basically that same face on the cover of a, one of the volumes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's what I mean. That's why I think if you're going to mix and match the characters in stories, that it kind of, yeah, that it doesn't work as but well. But hey, <laughs> uh, I will say distinctive Urusawa face is still much better than anime face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Gesicht, he is, he wakes up from a dream. Uh, as his wife comes in and we learn that he is that he not only saw uh, Mont Blanc uh, at the mountain when everything happened, uh, but that Mont Blanc also got uh, fucking dismembered. Just torn to pieces, obliterated, just fucking thrown over the landscape. Which they do a really great job of with this, especially describing the violence and showing after effects of it without, without ever like getting too graphic and showing the violence itself. Yeah. But they also do a thing that honestly is amusing given how often like Western media does this as a way to get around higher ratings of describing violence against robots in a way that's meant to horrify you as if it was a human being's flesh. Yeah. Because uh, just as an example, early on, I think in this first volume, uh, there's a, fight between a, a crazed druggie and a police bot that involves the police bot being like torn to pieces and Gesicht finds yeah. the robot uh, while he's doing investigating and the garbage man is we'll, picking up we'll get there. Alright. <laughs> but you happens, see why all, I made that yeah, point. Happens all the time. We do these in order and then it's like yeah so three volumes later this happens. But, that, but this wasn't three volumes later. So. You know this is later in this volume but still. I get it. I get it. Yeah, so Gesicht gets a call out to crime scene uh, before leaving. Suggests he and his wife go on a vacation. This will become important later. Yeah, in ways that are quite horrifying. Horrifying. That is the that is the weirdest thing about this world that I kind of love, and we'll get into it as we kind of get further in. But just from what I remember of the of like people talking about like the Tezuka thing, it could just be like apocryphal and like. Off side, like could just be like me misinterpreting people talking about stuff, but the way this world looks at robots mm-hmm. is fairly different from the way Tezuka does it. Is it, but it's but it's less like a it's less like a oh yeah the Tezuka thing was nice whatever and over here we have like the dark side of things. It's just hey, this is effectively the Tezuka thing, but just doing the stuff that we don't get to see in the Tezuka thing. Yeah, because, uh, well, I mean, there are some Tezuka manga that even back at the time went for darker content. Uh, Astro Boy was more like dark in theme, not in approach. Yeah, that's so, that's kind of what I meant. Like it, like it never showed, it never got into like. I I say this authoritatively that I have no fucking idea. I assume. Well, I, yes, I mean, you're you're not wrong in assuming that. It's just. Um, there are moments of combat that maybe get intense, but not more than like 
a kids movie from the eighties. And I'm talking more like societal stuff and not the threat of the actual. Yeah, that that's all in the background. That's alluded to, but not put front and center. Yeah, whereas like, this uh, put front and center. Yeah, and the only I reason like... I say not graphic is because I've read, um, crap, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, there is there was a Tezuka manga, uh, around the same time as Astro Boy about a guy who his father sold off every part of his body to demons for power, the... and you see you see in the manga that the demons eating different parts of him until he's nothing but like an eyeless, earless husk as a baby. <laughs> I think I've, I think I know that one. <laughs> I'm trying to fucking remember. I it doesn't ring a bell. It doesn't. Be, it's I remember, not one of his better known ones, but it's that it is there. Um, there was an anime about it recently. Doro. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So anyway. uh... Yeah, I was going to say that, like, the th interesting thing about this, too, is that even though, like, the inspiration and, like, the framework of this comes from Astro Boy, you can really, as you make your way through these volumes, see, uh, I feel like, especially given that it was made in the 2000s, like, a lot of inspiration obviously came from other AI-type stuff that had been done, and obviously, yeah, no, it's, type it's, things. yeah, but it's, it's weird that it's one of those, like, recursive loops of influences, because mm. a lot of the stuff that that Pluto pulls from got pulled from Astro Boy originally anyway. Yeah, it's creation is cyclical. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, anyway. Uh yeah, he gets called out. Yeah, so Gesicht gets called off to a crime scene in Dusseldorf where a man by the name of Bernard Lonk uh got murdered. To which Gesicht has to make sure, hey, he's human, right? Hmm. As yeah, we as, yeah he get uh, Gesicht, uh inspector for Interpol, well Europol actually yes Europol yeah Europol not Interpol yeah, Europol uh, comes in and we get to see our murder victim uh, Mr Bernard Mr Bernard Lonk with what looks like the a piece of like metal furniture frame and a desk lamp impaled into the side of his head like horns yeah yeah I, I would say more like antlers but yeah antlers horns pointy things. Uh, yeah, also, as, the interesting thing here is that we don't we don't actually know as of yet uh, till later, like the the uh, subtle approach that they took to kind of reveal the fact that he himself is actually also a robot, which I thought was really interesting. Right. Like, yeah, they don't they don't start off kind of telling you that he just, you yeah, no, like, like you uh, know, he's a homicide detective or whatever, just showing up to the scene. And then like late, like, you know, the, the way he assesses yeah. everything literally is, after is, this scene I'm talking about is when we learn he's a robot. Yeah, okay. Sorry. I, I, but, but, I but they played that. the scene, but like most less subtle manga or or stories like this would start the same thing. Oh, by the way, he's a robot. Well, that's why I thought it was it was important to mention now before that reveal. I just wanted so to say the fact that like, they play scene, an entire scene just like any cop yeah. is. Yeah, just, just any cop thing. Scene. Uh, they, I also have to point out uh, with uh, with like design changes. Uh, Gesicht in a, from what I've seen, like images from like the original um, Astro Boy manga and anime. Gesicht was objectively a robot. There was no like, oh, he might be a person. He was like completely gold. He had like sunglasses built into his oh, face. No, no. The, uh, one of the things Urasawa clearly wanted to do with Pluto was both incorporate as much of the Tezuka designs as he could, but also 
ad adjust them so that you could play a little bit more uh, subtly with the designs. Yeah. And the questions of who is human, because another thing I like about this, which we'll talk more about later, is how most of my most human, most of the most human moments in this involve robots. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, as they get to the as they uh, get to the body, uh, someone broke through the uh, cordon of the police as they head down. They head down. Um, we see an officer got attacked and a robot, uh, patrol patrol bot PRC model thirteen thirty two, aka Robbie, uh, also got destroyed quite brutally. You also, I also love like the very like subtle little thing where he, where, like the cop who's like, like man, you gotta help Robbie, he's my partner, and then he, and then he like corrects himself to say the like the bot's like patrol model number. But it's like little yeah. thing where like, where, like robots on a personal level are like largely largely on a personal level, robots are seen as people. Like if you interact with a robot a lot, it's a person to you. But like societally, like societally, system systematically, they are still just robots. Right. I I also like that the whole antler thing. Obviously, we would see be uh, done in other things of of like this of this nature. Like Hannibal did it with the antler kind of thing, as well as like True Detective did that whole thing with the like the, like it's like some sort of symbolism of like you know on the on the dead bodies themselves. Like I think that's kind of interesting that we I think this preceded all that stuff with the whole oh, antlers yeah. on the yeah, horns have been horns have been a thing in like horns have been associated with death in a lot of fiction. Yeah, I just think it's like I'm just thinking of things I saw after this book that existed after this book that have done it. Like I'm not saying this is the first thing to do no, it, yeah. but I, I I did think it was cool going back and revisiting this again, seeing that this was a thing. It, yeah, like, just like I mean? just like, like taking uh, that like, like taking that very distinct aspect of the Pluto robot and making it a calling card of a serial killer. Mm. Just a really great move for the story. Yeah. It made it very interesting. Um, yeah, as it went on. Yeah. Anyway, Gazik heads off after the guy after the guy broke in, which is just a fucking druggie. And it's at this point we learn that he is a robot as the drug guy hits him in the head with a pole, does nothing to him, and then we see the gun he's been holding is actually just his hand. And we also learn from this that robots cannot kill people. Right. It is a thing apparently like as part of law or in their design where robots are not allowed to kill people. Yeah. One of the, the Asimov laws. Yeah. Which, yeah, again, it makes it uh, interesting right from the, right from the start, just because like him assessing that crime scene, he's like, this had to have been done by a robot, like essentially. Yeah. Right? Like, like, <laughs> like, he, like he was very, like the only way this could have been done was by a robot, but a murder happened. Right. So that's again, like this is, pages in like that's why i was just like wow like they wasted no time yeah like to kind of to get to this and uh you know the being how it's that's why i think it's just impressive because this is a much uh smaller tighter story for for him like in terms of like the other things he's done so it's yeah it's great yeah. stuff immediately after that uh Gesicht heads off to uh robbie's widow because yeah it uh, it's so fucking interesting the robots in this world. This is inspired by the Jetsons, right? Like, I mean, look at this. It looks, this I looks mean, like it looks like that design. <laughs> it could be something else, but I would just argue that it was like kind of just a generic. This is what people think of robot design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is like old model robots. It, 
Yeah. But then you have it doing stuff like, uh, oh, this robot is incredibly distraught about her husband's death. and Yeah, and not able to show it because her face can't emote. Yeah. And then it, and to add to that, um, it creates the problem of, what is it, uh, that as like a coping mechanism, uh, the robot that uh, Gesicht offers to like erase her memories of her partner to like ease the pain. And she's like, I would rather you not. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, it's so good and so fucking. Uh, so many stories with actual human characters are not I, this good at I, at coaxing empathy out of me. I'll I'll tell I'll tell you guys like and again I'm not gonna say what it is because we're trying to be jumping ahead but by the end of this volume that was the one thing that stuck with me out of this whole series was actually the thing that happened in this volume with the, one of the other bots that we come across later in the story. Bruh, like that same. one for whatever reason for that for whatever reason well I mean there's reasons we'll get into it but that one stuck with me I think the most out of everything in this series like uh and uh yeah so yeah go on sorry yeah. <laughs> So after we all get very depressed, <laughs> we head back over to Europol, where Gesick shows off the crime scene of uh, Mont Blanc, where we see his decapitated head with two branches pointed next to his head like horns. As it's then where we learn that, yeah, the only way, like with the evidence being shown, the only people who have committed these crimes are robots. But that's impossible. You know, except for maybe this one time. Except for that one guy. Uh, as we move into the next chapter. Uh, which starts off with a thing that I I both really appreciate when stories do it. And also thought this one was a little bit melodramatic just because of the nature of, the, of it. Where so much, like, one of the reasons I love Twin Peaks is the very start, the very first episode of Twin Peaks it does not linger on the dead body or the investigation of the dead body. It lingers entirely on the effect it had on the people around Laura Palmer. Mm. Yeah. Like, like that, that, that was that funeral scene that, or I guess, I guess awake. I, I don't know what to call it. That like, like the wake, the funeral, there's like everybody finding out about it. Like, fuck the first guy. Like she's dead, Jim wrapped in plastic. It's so fucking good. And I love it whenever stories are able to properly show a, a the effect a death has. Yep. And with and with a person like Mont Blanc, who was this like larger than life figure and this like yeah. national hero. Like, yeah, beloved by humans and robots alike. Like probably more so than many humans. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was fucking. He was a he war was a naturalist. He, he was a pacifist. He was a, a poet. Uh, poet. He was a war hero. And yeah, he, he like, and so with him dying is obviously going to be a bit more melodramatic, which is like seeing, seeing just a group of just like construction workers bawling their eyes out, watching a memorial video before getting back to work they're doing for free. I uh I do appreciate though that not all the characters were like this. Like you know yeah, what no, I mean? It, like it was it, specifically it, Mont Blanc because yeah, Mont Blanc was 
hero of the people essentially like yes yeah. that's, that's kind of like yeah but i think um i think it's good that he didn't do that with everybody because then it would have felt really ham-fisted you know what i mean like it was Absolutely. just like well, oh, no, it would have it would have done what a lot of bad stories with robots do where hey the robots are more human than the people are yeah which no. is, is is reductive and stupid so you know they like having yeah, no. some robots be better people than others that's that why makes, that makes the met, the allegory work better. He found other ways to illustrate that same sort of idea for you to feel sympathy towards these bots in a way, but for, by different means, like different routes, he kind of got there by. Like that's what I think was interesting about it was like they all just weren't these heroes in everyone's eyes, and then them dying with you know what I mean. Like that's yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were like some of them were heroes, some of them were just dudes, some of them were like well known, completely obscure. Like even to each other, mm-hmm. even though there's only seven. Of them, yeah, there are you know seven I mean? like, of them, and like three of them have met each other. Yeah, they're aware of one another, sort of, but like they're not like they're not ha- like having meetings. You know, what I yeah. mean, like together every week. Like, yeah, yeah. No, like until sure. he's introduced the first time Gesicht, like the only time Gesicht had seen Adam, because that's his name in the story. The the first time he saw Adam was on the news. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah speaking of which, I don't know how many people know would know off the top of their heads that. Uh, the Japanese name for Astro Boy was Tetsuan Adam. Yeah, we're going to be calling him Adam because that's what he's called in the story. But right. anytime we're talking about Adam, we're talking about Astro Boy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Gesicht is back in Switzerland. Uh, kind of talking to people there, overseeing uh, the construction of like the big memorial stage. Where they're going to have like the like, celebration of life for Mont Blanc. And I was going to talk with uh, Professor Reinhardt. Effectively, Mont Blanc's dad. And, and I do not uh, know why this is hitting me now. Yeah. What, well, I'm, what I'm amused by is compared to uh, uh, Adam's dad, uh, Rockethart seems to be a much better dad to his robot. <laughs> oh, anyone's a fucking better dad than Astro Boys. Well, yeah, I just was like, it hadn't hit me before because I maybe I just couldn't tell with the designs. But I swear to God, uh, when you see him later, and this is getting ahead, but... When you see Dr. Tenma in this story, he looks very Gendo Akari. <laughs> getting... <laughs> I was going to say getting the robot Adam, but he is a robot. <laughs> well, actually, some robots do get into robots in this. So uh... Yeah, which we'll get to. Uh, but yeah. After that, another dream of speeding down runways and blood splatter as Gesicht wakes up in effectively a maintenance bed just being checked out by a guy named professor hoffman a man who could not look more weaselly if he tried <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> i mean again this is credit to urasawa's character design that you could look at just the way he designs the character like oh he's a bastard yeah but then we see him later and he's not yeah i know but like that's credit to writing and design of you can design someone's like oh he's clearly a bastard uh, oh. not, uh, yeah oh, okay. I, would, I would say i would say even more so like you look at this guy and you're like yeah this guy clearly has something to hide this guy yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like yeah weasley is well, anyone the anyone that's squirrely is clearly hiding something yeah the, yeah the first time we see him he has like that like big like evil toady smile yeah. but then like over the course of this over the course of this entire scene because he's talking to, like uh gesicht basically doing you know a check-in, seeing how he's doing, how are the dreams going. Oh, you're investigating Mont Blanc, right? I couldn't watch the ceremony. I just kept crying. 
And he's to see his face just like drop slowly and turn to like a more natural expression. He just like all of it fades away and it just turns into some guy. It's great. It's like, like reading over that scene, he goes from Weasley to just a person. A person with a very bad haircut. He's like, right. a set, he's like a 40-year-old man with a bowl cut. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> a bowl cut with a receding hairline. <laughs> but no, he's just like going over, uh, talking about just, you know, the investigation and how he's doing. Kasik um, like brings up the dreams that he's been having. Uh, and also talks about like how he and his wife have talked about taking a vacation. Because apparently... As data shows, robots just get horrendously depressed and stressed too and need a vacation. Well, I mean, even Rick and Morty would make that joke occasionally. So it's like, yeah, but having it be like this actually sincere. Yeah, and like sincere and not like shithead. Like nothing sounds sincere when it comes out of Rick Sanchez. <laughs> no, not at all. Maybe it'll change when they maybe they change, change the voice actor. All right, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, uh, Professor Hoffman, uh, on the idea of vacation, thinks it's a great idea, and hey, why not go to Japan? I got a buddy there. And once you're done there, go to Tahiti. I hear it's a magical place. (laughs) Yeah, as he heads out, as Kasikta heads outside, and a maintenance guy is disposing of Robbie's body. Just in a fucking bin. Yeah, this is the part Birdie had mentioned earlier. Yeah, as uh, as the guy's like, if you see any parts you want, just take them. It's just junk after all. Just with the shithead smirk on his face as that triggers something in Gesicht, where he sees an old man asking for 500 Zeus a body. But Gesicht gets in there and gets the memory chip back. Memory chip's effectively the brain of the robot. Right. Little USB drive. Uh... Gesicht essentially this the soul of the robot essentially like you know what I mean? like it's yeah like that's that's the way i looked at it and again even to illustrate some more about how like sad that scene was like because the fact that he paused and, and and really i know he was having that flashback but like birdie was referring to earlier like the way they, they it's just almost like looking at like this it's not a human life but the disposal of this person's life is literally in this garbage can that you're yeah, just kind of like you know what i mean like it's nothing to this man yeah right? and that's like, and that's kind of the shit I was talking about before with like the yeah. way society treat the way society sees these robots. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great scene. It's a fantastic scene. Followed up by a fucking also great scene where he brings it to Robbie's wife. Uh she asks him to, you know, insert it. And yeah, kind of the sole thing where she does like is holding her hand over where a heart would be. It's going, ah, he's here. Before she starts screaming. <laughs> Uh, as she projects on onto a monitor, Robbie's last moments, where the like druggy gets out, attacks the cop, goes to hit the robot, and is like, "Hey, something is weird here. He should have been able to stop that, but he didn't because he saw what his sensors could only determine to be a human jumping between two buildings way in the background." And that's the fucking like that is our first look at the killer, right? No, oh, I I love it. I I love it. It's so good. I love noir mystery shit like this. Yeah. Yeah, and again, the pacing is just done wonderfully and uh Yeah, that was two like, chapters. 
We talked yeah, for 40 like, minutes on two chapters. It's great. Yeah, but I mean, there's just so much there. And like, it, again, like the way the, the seeds he drops along the way when he layers his mysteries, um, you know, it, it's it's always done really well, his approach, I feel like, in a lot of these books. And and like, and like you know, I, I again, I'm just repeating myself now, but I think that's the only... It's going to be a lot of that. O- yeah, uh, that's that, there. You know, I tend to do that too sometimes, but it's just one of those things where, like, it really I can't say it enough is that I think that is probably, I think, an app like a, a criticism that about some of his other works, I think that, like you said, you sometimes lose the thread a little bit, like along the way, where you know what I mean. But, like, yeah. I, I think this, this, yeah, this one, it, it's not the case at all, I think, like, and that's why I think it was so effective. Um, this story and it's really stuck with me. Um, you know, it's, it, there's so much mystery, mystery in his other stories too, about like who this mysterious person is that we're chasing for the whole fucking story. Yeah. And then sometimes you get to the end and you're like, Oh, is this guy like, Oh, was the guy <laughs> like, mentioned right. once 75 chapters ago in a background <laughs> panel. Right. Like that we've never seen. So you couldn't even figure it out for yourself, yeah. but yet we were acting like it was like a, right. Like I, I love you know. 20th century boys. I'm still not hundred percent sure who friend is. It's, that's you see that one was way overhyped for me before I read it. Like that was actually one of the last things I read of his. Like I read Monster and this before that, and I was a little let down by that book at times because of that. Like I was just like, you know what I mean? Like and everyone I feel like loves that one the most. Most people I've talked to, right? Yeah. Which I don't understand. Like uh, I, I, a lot of people. I don't, I don't love that one the most just because I have a hard like dead. I have a hard time engaging with it. <laughs> it's not that I have a hard time engaging with it. Is that every time I try to read it. A lot happens, and then I need to take a break, and then by the time I get back to reading it, I've forgotten everything I read. Yeah. No, that one's the hardest, I think, to follow out of all of them. Like you said, like I'm not even sure at the end like who that person is because there's even a point of the story where, where they like, switch friends. Yeah, there's like three. At some point, there's like three different people that you think is the friend. <laughs> like, it's I, just like, from what I've read, three different people are the friend. Right. So there you go. Like that's, that's, so that's what I mean. Like, it's very confusing. Like it's, it's even explaining it right now. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. Anyway, on to chapter three, uh, as Gesicht is going over all the data in his head of just about what has, what was learned about the case. He's also booking trip to Japan for him and his wife, where we get another thing of just seeing another, uh, we get a thing of seeing like another robot that looks completely human. Mm hmm. Oh, it's at so, this point I'm getting like total recall vibes with these. Yeah, a little bit. It's like replicants. <laughs> yeah. I don't Just know, gotta get like the test going. These memories that they supposedly had about the game. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. As Gesicht heads off to the uh, artificial intelligence correctional facility, which is just a prison, but because of the context of it, it is. Deeply more troubling as a look at a look at a prison. Yeah, yeah. Because because like robots are robots are effectively data. Like their soul is the memory chip. So with the correctional facility, you don't have to, you don't have to like give them a cell. You just put them in a fucking tube. As long as they're able to like stimulate something, they're able to not go insane. Because I'm assuming you leave a robot soul long enough for long long enough alone by itself in the darkness, it'll just go crazy. Yeah, just this, just walking down this hallway of just these, like just little nubs out of the wall that just make like weird, like mechanical noises. Ugh, it's fucked. 
yeah, this this is legit creepy. This thing that he goes to talk to, like I, I've yeah. always thought that about this. I was like, this is a creepy kind of well, uh, character. Well, it, it adds to it, like like Dad said, all the other robots that are in the correctional facility are just uh, memory sleeves in a box, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this one has to have the whole on. This can't be connected to any data. It can't be connected hmm. to a server. No, it just has to be a corpse of a machine in a in a room. Yeah, based on what I've based on like stuff I've read, like you know, from later in the story and from also like ancillary content, just like people dissecting it. Hmm. Was the prison built around it? It might have been because that's what it seems like. It seems because it doesn't. Nothing about his prison cell seems designed. (laughs) That's like some Akira level type shit. That if that's the case, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm pretty sure Toriyama. Not Toriyama. um, What is that guy's name who did uh, the Akira? Yeah, Otomo. Otomo. Yeah. 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 Otomo. I could see looking at Astro Boy and saying, "I can make this fucked up." Absolutely. I, I, but but even like even the way like he's first presented on uh, in on the page to us like even like the choice in like how his head's tilted Bef- the eyes drooping out even like, before you know I mean? that like, like the lead right. up to him he's built right. up like Hannibal fucking Lecter yeah we're no, like we're like a, a we're yeah. like a <laughs> Gesicht walks in and the guy's just like and the guy's just like all right so here's standard protective gear you got to wear this if it gets too close he could fucking yeah. fuck with your brain we've lost like. We've lost like four fucking robots because of his weird radiation coming off of him. Yeah. And also here we learned that uh, Gesicht is made of a special alloy that would be in effect, that would be unaffected by powerful magnetic radiation, as this guy says. That's a that's a that's a great comparison. The Hannibal Lecter thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Here is very vital. Yeah. As apparently uh, he gives like a panic button and just says, hey. If you ever are in a situation, press that button. He's killed four other robots since being pinned to this fucking wall. <laughs> but but even like like you said, for that comparison, it's so great because like essentially that is what this character becomes is like the exchange of information, like him trying to figure things out with this guy's help as a result of him going yeah. to visit him, right? Because he is an advanced like AI or something like that, right? Yeah, like as, it's 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 so interesting. It's yeah. It, <laughs> so Kasik takes the elevator down into this just fucking pit just this like broken off wing of a building that has like metal eye beams like falling down and like world war two era fucking like yeah. just stone fucking like pillars but or like weird like between jacks. this and monster i think uh urasawa has a thing for uh broken brutalist german ar- architecture <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. i distinctly remember the first time we see johan kill someone brutally in monster was in a building much like this. Yeah, right. probably. Yeah. As we, as we get to meet brow 1589, the first and until this point, only robot to ever kill a human. Uh-huh. And it's so fucking good. It's just this very like busted ass outdated model of robot. Kind of like, kind of like, you know, the Robbie's wife. Right. Feels like kind of from the same era where it's just where it's just like, hey, we got ocular sensors here. We got a mouth grill here that sound comes out of his arms effectively look like arms, but are still not human at all. No, like anything (laughs) like it. And then he just has a giant spear in his chest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Very cool. 
so I was reading a little bit up on like Brow specifically. Oh, nice. Some people think this is a reference to a different Osama Tezuka character called the Blue Knight. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not familiar enough with oh. Tezuka to know that off the top of my head. Yeah, the way that the way that it was described, the arm design kind of looks like Blue Knight, and the name Brow may have been a mispronunci- may have been a mistranslation, and it could be- and they could have meant to be named uh, Blau, which is German for blue. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that would make. Well, that sense, certainly then. would fit the ger- the Japanese tendency to never know the difference between L's and R's. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, he sits down and just kind of begins talking to him about the kind of robot that would murder a human. But not before uh, Brow asks to exchange memory chips. A thing that he seems to have a very in, in deep, like, in-depth interest in doing. Yeah, I'd be like, fuck that. <laughs> well, it's very much, um, you mentioned Hannibal Lecter. It's, it's the same reason Lecter keeps grilling Starling. <laughs> Yeah. on her backstory is because he gets some sort of satisfaction. I don't know about pleasure because, I mean, robots can experience pleasure. They make that clear in this story, but at least satisfaction well, from a, yeah, but it, from right. experiencing memories or information from the outside because he's in a, in a dead data pit. Yeah. It's also, it's also like just getting in their head and like, and also, well, yeah, that also them, doesn't help. Right. Like, which, like, I think, and this is literally getting in his head, like him getting, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah right. So, yeah. I, it has a lot to do with that, I think, too. But that's, that's what makes it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's just kind of questioning him on, like, hey, what kind of bot would murder, would murder a human? And we learned that, like, he has, like, this thing has been the study of that. He's been the prime example of it since he since he fucking did it and people have been like examining his data his ai over and over and over again trying to find what caused him to do that and nothing's wrong there's not a single defect in his programming he just did it and it's it's interesting i the reason i was looking up stuff about brown 1598 1589 is i have no fucking idea like from a like, I have no idea from like a thematic standpoint why he is. Because I I'm very bad at reading themes and metaphors and shit like that because I'm an idiot. Oh no, I mean, that's, uh, I think yeah. I think I know the reason why he exists in the story. It's been a while since I've finished reading Monster, and for reference, I have to read. I haven't. I've only read the first half. I'm working my way mostly through Volume Four at this point. Uh, but I intend to read the rest of it, obviously, because I'm going to ask uh, Caveman to just get me the rest of it for my birthday in a couple of months. So, so, it, so it's been a while since I have I had read it. I uh, have read it, but um, again, without I, I can't even spoil it if I wanted because I don't know what I can't remember what happens. But I think he plays a big part in the ending of this. Story, yeah, he, he does. Like, like he is the yeah. ending, from what I understand, from what I remember. That's correct. But, but I mean, yeah, like, so, yeah, and, and well, there's a. I don't want to get too ahead, Dead, since you're going to read this line. You're going to read this line basically from Tenma um, later. So I don't want to spoil it. It could be that that I understood what he meant at one point and then completely forgot about it because my brain is Swiss cheese. Yeah. Suffice to... The way I'll say it for now is... The way I like to describe it is like it's a better version of the plot of Psychopaths. (laughs) <laughs> which sucks. 
Ah, it's been a while since I've heard your hatred for psychopaths. It, it'll never die. It, it suffered. It, it celebrated its tenth anniversary with three anniversary movies last year, and I was like, "Oh, good." So I'm glad we have so much time to celebrate bad things. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Like I'm waiting. Was there like a fifteenth anniversary last year for the Michael Bay Transformers movies? Because that's about how much I hate this shit. <laughs> Tight. Anyway, yeah, we also learned yeah. that uh, humans are keeping him alive. Like literally. Pull that spear out, it's dead. But they yeah, aren't but, doing but it. He's, because he's too interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's too interesting, but they are also too afraid to have him be anywhere. Right. So it's like, we're going to lock him in the basement and then never look at him again. Yeah, just forget about him. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Gazik hands him uh, photos of uh, Professor Lank and Mont Blanc. Where we get a title drop. Because the horns, it's like, hey, it's the horns. They, they're used in ancient European myths with multiple gods of death. They had the king of horns. They got Hades, and then the Roman name Pluto. Yeah, which, by the way, we haven't mentioned yet. Um, they show those horns in the logo for Pluto, and I like that. Yeah, it's great. It's like a nice little design thing. Yeah. Yeah, as we also we also learn potentially the motive for this as. Uh, Brow basically says, "Hey, you know, hey, you know, you know that this isn't over yet. There's still six more of you to go because all because they are all the most advanced robots science has ever created are, according to Brow at least, being targeted, which includes good old boy Gesicht because yeah, he's well, it gets kind of gets into it later. They mentioned it a couple times, but like the uh." I think it's the Central Asian War, like the Persian. Yeah, the 39th. Well, this is what I loved because a lot of uh, Western cultures like to do this for wars they lost or wars that didn't go well. They called it the 39th Central Asian Conflict. (laughs) Yeah, like all seven of these guys, including Gesicht, were involved in. There were were seven. No, there were seven, but uh, the seventh one deliberately declined to participate. Okay, That's well, not in these volumes, but it's in volume three. Okay, cool. The murder robot said, hey, one's dead, so six are left. Yeah. Thus but, seven. Uh, what I'm saying is, like, it's linked to the 36th Central Asian conflict, but it seems to be more specifically about these robots, not about, well, the conflict is part of it, but we'll get there. Yeah, the conflict is part of it because the because those robots were involved in the conflict, but it is but it is more focused on the most advanced robots. You know, given that the title that given that the literal subheader of this thing is based on the Osama Tezuka story, the greatest robot on Earth. Right, and you also got to remember as you go along too that they're counting Gesick uh, as one of those several as well. He's one of the, I believe, the most advanced, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. It's the so. special alloy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's he, what makes it more. That, that's what makes it so in, huh? I glitched out there. Sounded like. <laughs> yeah, you glitched out there, Bernie. Uh, I was going to say, that's what makes it so interesting after a while, because he's actually trying to track down the murderer of these robots being one of the people that he will eventually be a ta- like a target. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, that's what makes it. Yeah. More, even more interesting at a certain point because he's, she's running around the world trying to like warn people and save them and catch the, this guy in the act prior to this going down. But yet he's also one of the seven. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And with that, we want to chapter four, which is 
my favorite part of the story so far. North number two. Yeah. Uh, in Scotland, a crotchety old fucker is playing a piano. Uh, by the sounds of it, poorly. Right. Uh, as a new robot walks in. Dressed in a massive black cape covering his entire body. Uh, and the he's designed. Yeah, the design of this guy. Great design. He looks like a he looks like a fucking superhero, kinda, with the helmet at least. Yeah. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah. This is North Number Two, assigned to effectively be a robot butler for him. Just to make sure that he is like because this dude's like old as fuck. Hmm. Probably gonna die soon. So they need so he needs like someone to help him out, take care of him and stuff. But this guy's an asshole, and so he kept sending all of his old robots back. And now he's gotten to North Number Two, who did serve in the 39th Central Asian War. Yeah. Uh, as, he, as yeah, we kind of get, as we kind of get like this guy's idea of what robots are and kind of what like mm-hmm. life is there thing because he had he's blind, and this is a world where people can get ocular replacements and be able to like actually see again, but he has completely. Got, he's completely rejected those because he doesn't believe that that data is real. He also doesn't believe that because robots aren't organic, nothing they can be is real. They can't make anything worth noting. They can't uh, they can't like fully appreciate anything. And uh-huh. that's the kind of thrust of their relationship being just just North number two trying his best. And this guy just being a prick. <laughs> yep. And this is still probably my favorite part. Because it's absolutely it is just yeah, yeah. which which is funny because aside from uh, the eventual fate of North Number Two, it has nothing to do with the rest of the story. You know, it's just this entire other thing. It just go, <laughs> it just goes to show, like, hey, browse right. Yeah, I think I think what was um, I mean, I could save this comment for after if you're going to get into like kind of what happens here with him and uh, this old man. But uh, so I'll I'll keep a comment to myself then if you want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to get into here, it yeah. as yeah. It's... As yeah, like uh, we see that uh, this old guy uh, Paul Duncan, I believe is his name. Yeah, Paul Duncan. He just he's just like he's trying to make a new thing. He's trying to make some new music. He was like this amazing composer who did this. Who did this movie once, and people have just been fucking obsessing over it. They're wondering like, hey, when's new stuff gonna come out? It's like I'm working on new shit. I can barely listen to whatever I goddamn want to. But we see that he has having intense writer's block. Which is having a very negative impact on, like any his entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, uh, he has the uh, unparalleled uh, one of the what he, he has the almost unparalleled ability to be to be a uh, uh, uptight prick, given that he's Scottish. Well, is he Scottish? That was like Bohemian. Was okay. I guess he's Bohemian. Oh, right. I don't know why. Okay, here's why I thought he was Bohemian because North Number Two. They specifically say later in the story is a British robot. Uh huh. And the name Duncan is specifically very Scottish, so I thought yeah. that he was. But no, he's apparent. No, Bohemia is either Germany or parts of Poland. So yeah, yeah he's Bohemian. Mind. Moved here, changed his name to like acclimate, or just to get around British people being racist. You know, one of the two, even odds. Yeah. Why not both? Yeah. 
But yeah, as the two of them are kind of like uh, spending more time together, or I should say, as North number two is being around this asshole. Uh, North begins. Yeah, because he's, he's doing everything in his, his power to be helpful with this shithead of a person. <laughs> That it's must just, be one of the greatest abilities robots have, even the more human robots, is patience. patience. Yeah, as North Number 2 begins like expressing interest in learning how to play piano. Mm-hmm. And this old guy is obviously incredibly against it. Robots can't see anything for realsies. They're just interpreting data. Not like the human brain, which dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy has like hundreds of like modern, uh, like Modern digital instruments, which are able to like replicate the sounds of old instruments. Yeah, Bas- which basically, he refuses to use. Yeah, it's basically, uh, it's basically an old timey version of today's like MIDI instruments. Mm. Because this is like a person from the modern day interpreting the f- interpreting the future as envisioned by the past. Yeah, and I think they tapped into something interesting too about people that um, you know that create create art too. Is that you're always going to find certain people that are very uh, much purists, like yeah. when it comes to the creation of things. So I think well, that... I mean, just by by sheer random coincidence, dead. Uh, one of the most annoying controversies currently on the internet is AI art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. very. We picked a fucking banger of a time to talk about this book. Yeah. Yeah, it is very timely in that sense too, but but yeah, I I kind of got that from this as as well as as well as his obviously his mistrust and and um, unwillingness to uh, to to think that a a robot could create uh, something such uh, uh, like a be- like beautiful yeah. music like uh, humans could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, so the guy uh, at night he's like humming the melody to the song he's writing, and. Uh, North tries playing it, but he says some stuff uh, like he's like the guy's like, "Hey, we're humming it in your sleep," and like it, it sounded really great. The fit here, just like let me try playing it. Twitchy's immediately fired, but never actually. Sorry about that. Apparently, a fucking drag or something is on my goddamn window. <laughs> but yeah, he, yeah, this guy's just like. This guy just like hates him, does not want to him to touch his piano, does not want him to be involved in his life. North just wants to learn piano, man. He just he doesn't want to be a he doesn't want to be a murder bot anymore. He just wants to he doesn't want to go to war again, doesn't want to kill anything else again. Just wants to just wants to play piano. But that's why I think that also added to how heavy of the following moments are, is that because he expressed like um, you get that whole thing with him having like the horrors of of war, like and yeah, having he's... actual remorse for what he did because he had no choice in the matter. Like when he yeah. kind of like, like so like that's there's that, and then there's like there's the other whole aspect to this that's about to happen. Like it's yeah, so it's, hard. It's both happened. these guys dealing with different <laughs> versions of PTSD. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like in in like somewhere like they they have some sort of like a, a final understanding with one another, but it's so fucking short of a moment that they have. Well, before no, that's they the thing. I don't think they, rug. Yeah, it's it's so brief. It's like it's mostly a montage once they finally have it, and it ends abruptly when yeah. the when robot shows up to kill North. 
that's what I mean. It's so heartbreaking because they pull the rug up from under you, like right when that actually happens, right? Like it's, 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 yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So North keeps hanging around, keeps trying to play piano. The guy keeps getting angrier and angrier until he eventually destroys all of his uh, virtual instruments. Yeah. And we learn his backstory where his mom uh, fucking married a rich Scottish dude, uh, sent him off to a boarding school or to never be seen or heard from again. Got the shit kicked out of him all the time. Uh, almost died due to horrible disease. And then a doctor hinted to be Blackjack. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was like, is that Blackjack? That's that's not as deep a cut as the one you suggested before, but that's still kind of a deep cut because the last Blackjack thing in the West was in the 90s again. So. Yeah. Well, according to the internet, the first volume of Blackjack, the Blackjack manga was published in 2008 in English. This is the Tezuka book, right? Uh, yeah, this is a, this is an Osama Tezuka yeah, book. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor, Black Jack. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I think the only real clue was that he was described as an underground doctor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. His, his design is close, but they don't... It, it, if you've ever seen this character, Nico, it would be kind of hard to allude to this character any more closely without it just being the character and his design is kind of ridiculous well isn't isn't like the only thing they show of him just his fucking legs in, in pluto yeah they don't show his legs because the most distinctive thing about, about uh, dr blackjack is his face yeah his face has a massive so line through it and he has two different skin tones you know and and you know a manga character design yeah yeah, so Blackjack works on him, saves his life, but he has macular degeneration and his eyes just completely deaden until he sees nothing but darkness. He then learned that his mom died. I uh, never married that guy, uh, only, only served as a mistress, and then died alone, which Paul Duncan believes his, believes his punishment, and just. And the castle they're living in is literally the castle owned by the guy his mom abandoned him for. Hmm. Because yeah, this kid has this, this. I say kid. This old man has very deep issues. Right. That's why he's so miserable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which you know, I think a lot of the times, like everyone just passes off people like that, and in other forms of media too. There's always that type of character, but then you find out it's really bothering them, or you know, I mean, that they've led a, a life that's basically wasted. They feel like at this point, right? Like because of the they're stuck in their ways, or they couldn't get over one tragic moment that happened to them in their lives, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, which we yeah. see, which we see, uh, North tragic moment as he plays piano and remembers effectively the genocide he was involved in, right? Just yep. this fucking obliteration where he just destroyed so many other robots. Oh. Later that night, uh, Duncan finds Einza North recharging and sees him dreaming. And from the sounds he's making, it's not a good one. Mm. But the next day, uh, North is gone. Yeah. Yeah, as we see uh, uh, Mr. Duncan kind of just taking calls uh, getting one from a movie guy who's like hey I wanna we wanna use your old 
We want to use one of your old scores for one of our new movies. Which greatly offends Paul because he's like, oh, you don't want any new stuff? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a shock to him that it, he's not that he's not like you don't want new music you just want old stuff, right? Okay, fine. Fuck you. Yeah. We also then get a message from the Philharmonic Orchestra where they say, "Yeah, we're not using new music. Just breaking this fucking old man down as hard as they can." Well, yeah, and I think like that's what's interesting about this too, because I think anybody who's uh, an artist or has created stuff, like they know, like it's one of those things where it's just like at this point, most people are looking at him as like his best times are behind him. You know what I mean? Like in terms of his work, and um, and he has to live with that, like that constant reminder, and he feels like he's washed up, and he can't do, and he can't even remember this song. And yeah, he's just like just bitter, just this bitter old man who succeeded everything he wanted to do and has nothing to show for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, uh, this particular bit kind of reminds me of uh, the idea of like artists' work being how much do they own it? Sometimes people just reuse it in ways that they never got permission for, or essentially yeah. strip their music of all meaning to use however they wish. Yeah. Look at any modern trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs who needs to write a new song? We could just take an old song, completely strip it of all meaning and nuance, and just put a boom sound under it. Yeah. yeah. Anyone want to listen to uh, Blink One Eighty Two in a minor tempo? <laughs> <laughs> just a, just a hard, just a very like soft piano ballad version of What's My Name Again. Yeah. Or <laughs> all the small things. Did y'all ever see that fucking Transformers game that did like the slow? Like soft, like sad ballad version of like "Wanted Dead or Alive" by Bon Jovi. No, but no that I sounds not. terrible. That's, 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 <laughs> it is that's awful. What I was describing. Mad yeah. War, Gears of War ruined trailers forever with Mad World. <laughs> that's right. Because there are only so many songs like Mad World. Mm-hmm. And then once you run out of those, you got to start. You got to start taking other songs that aren't Mad World and making them Mad World. Yeah. <laughs> Like, did the 2017 Power Rangers theme do that also? I think so. I think I think they just had like kind of generic music, and then when they showed the title card, it was just like the dan 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 dan, dan but in like very like soft piano Ooh. notes. Well, they da, did da, it. Da, 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 they, they did it with an artist who did a cover of um, uh, Nirvana "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and Black Widow. <laughs> oh no, yeah, that one I remember. Oh Jesus! I mean, I, I did- that one. I didn't mind it, but it's exactly what you guys are describing here. And for a lot of people that obviously love that song, that was fucking horrendous of them to do. Yeah, right? That's not like, the worst <laughs> example of that kind of thing, no, but, it is, a, but... it is an example. Yeah, it's still sure. super offensive. It is basically what that woman did, though. It did a slow mm-hmm. version of that, like slower version of what you, basically yeah. what we just described. Yeah. yeah. And to any of the artists who do this, no, no slack against you. It's your interpretation of a song. Right, so I many, like covers, but like yeah, cover, covers are fun. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Johnny Cash owns that Nine Inch Nails song now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Or uh, I was listening to a podcast today, Dad, where people were saying the Run DMC version of "Walk This Way" is significantly better than the one from. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Too. There, there's a, there's a lot of really great things of like covers. Samples. So yeah. many of them though nowadays feel just like soulless, like mm-hmm. like fucking. Like whoever the in-house band at a marketing company is, 
I say in-house band. Whoever the in-house musician at a, at, a, at a marketing company is, they just go, okay, what song do we have a license to? Okay, cool. How do I turn that into a minor key on piano? Get a female vocalist in here to croon over this. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's not organic in any way. It's just at like, all. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's that's where you run into problems, right? Yeah, and that's I think that's this it, it really illustrates that here with where this guy's kind of like I'm a has been, I'm a hack now. Like like this yeah. guy's like what look what they're doing to my music. Well, even more so, not he himself, like, but like they're ruining yeah. like look look my, at what get, shitheads are doing to the work right. I the work that I built and that built me. They're the hacks. Like that's what I mean. Like that's the way he looks at it right so yeah. like yeah. yeah that's what it feels well, like i mean very few people could look at the music industry and not think bunch of hacks <laughs> oh yeah the music industry is a nightmare yeah. but anyway speaking of hacks uh as as paul duncan's playing on his piano trying to get his thing going again he just gives up again slams his hands down and grabs an axe to go destroy his piano but luckily north shows up on time apparently he went to bohemia to learn folk songs <laughs> That's so hard work. Like the it's fact so that he nice. traveled there, unbeknownst to him, even in the in in light of him basically saying, "I don't need you after tomorrow." Like, yeah, like that is amazing. Like he's like, "I traveled somewhere just to help you." Like you realize, like yeah, to yeah, to, to like learn more about your culture, your music, and you. Because yeah. uh, like, Paul Dunk's been having dreams about his mom and the whole situation. Uh at which point he's like, uh, as the guy. As the guy's just like, as the guy's like, yeah, I found out the truth. Uh, the nightmares you've been having and the dreams and stuff, those are like, those are misremember, those are your misrememberings of your own past. Because like, like his mom never really told him any of this, but like he and his mom like, like walked off, like walked down the road, like singing songs together, like songs he's writing now because he's just forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. His mom apparently like got into the relationship with. Uh, with like the rich guy specifically so that you get the money to pay for the doctor to like help fix him. Huh. And it's just, and then he starts singing the song that they were singing together and yeah. it just triggers the memory of him. Oh, fuck. This is getting me. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And then with that, the, the thing is like, Hey, let's play piano together. At which point we get our skip ahead, which is like at least a year, because they go through it. Go through like a season change. That's at least the next year, if not a whole year. Yeah. As North and him are just kind of hanging out, talking piano and stuff, and North picks up something on his sensors, something coming in very quick. As a tornado touchdown, a couple hundred kilometers away, it's coming in fast, and apparently, this is very similar to how to what happened when Mont Blanc died. Yeah, as he rips off his robe, and we see him in his full glory of Battlebot. And and this is a pretty crazy scene because like he's kind of like a big monstrosity here. Like the fact that he had to like he, he was just more comfortable being around him, obviously, and that's why he did it because you could tell like he was made for war purposes. Yeah, here. He, like the way. Yeah, he like, has he has like reveal four of sets of role. arms: one yeah. set of normal arms, two one set of Gatling gun arms, one set of cannon arms, and one set of bladed arms. Yeah, like the fact that like that that's why I, I always thought it was such an excellent 
um, design with him wearing that cloak basically covered all this this stuff and made him seem like more approachable in that sense. Like, you know what I mean? But then like he, he rips it off and you see this like, you know, this this crazy machine. Yeah, this there completely inhuman murder machine. Yeah, and um, yeah, it definitely was a like. I like how he paced that, and like you have that one moment of him revealing that, and then he just shoots yeah. off into the air. We saw right? we saw like hints of it earlier with one of the flashbacks, but it the, it's That's, great they saved the full reveal for just this action shot where like even even with the action shots, everything's still kind of blurry because it's like moving so quick to snap in a position to go off and fight. Ah, mm. oh, it's so good. Yeah, as yeah, North takes off into the sky. And we see none of the fight, which yes, it's so good. He knows. Which is actually, yeah, it's something they do with a lot of the fight or the the fights that yeah we, we never really see the fights outside of like maybe one or two, because it's not an action story. It's a murder yeah. mystery. It just yeah. and it's not like there is no action in it. It's just that the kind of over the top. Uh, it's not Before Astro Boy action. Shown in robot action of the original Astro Boy would be kind of inappropriate for this. Yeah. As this blind guy is just like trying to figure out what's happening, as just lightning is cracking off, thunder is like is like clapping clapping away. There's like massive explosions, and then the song starts playing. Yeah. As North is just up in the sky losing. Yeah. Just singing that song. Yeah. As we see him plummeting out of the sky in a ball of smoke and fire as he's just like I don't stay up there forever man it's time for a piano lesson yeah yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a heavy it's like I said it was the one one, my favorite scene probably out of the whole series and it's a great series but that but this is is why I said that some of the most human moments and the whole throughout the story involved the robots absolutely yeah absolutely by design right i mean that's yeah that's that's the whole point and i and i think like once you get introduced to every other character in this as we go along they all have a humanizing moment and it kind of it's it peels back like another layer of like showing that these guys aren't so different than uh, than us you know what i mean like yeah like they're they're not so different to you and i (laughs) yeah i I don't know if it's like a thing from like a character from original Astro Boy, but like Astro Boy was always marketed as it's the robot with a soul, heart, a gold, wasn't it, or something like that? Like, like <laughs> in, ter- in terms of like yeah, in terms of like actually in universe, he's a robot with a soul. Yeah, but I think I think what what uh, Nico's referencing is I think there's a catchphrase of like body of iron. Heart of gold or something to that effect. Something yeah, like that, probably. I think there was. Yeah, that's that's what I thought I remembered. But, but I no, yeah, just wrong. just the idea that like, oh, there are robots, and then there's Astro Boy, the one who's like the most like a person. But then we just get all these different moments with these guys, and ah, uh, they just they just hit so fucking right. It's great. Yeah, I love this goddamn book. And speaking of hitting, it's time for some wrestling. <laughs> As we move on to chapter seven with Brando, a massive fucking robot, uh, suplexing a Canadian robot. Yep. As it's the strongest, this is the strongest warrior of all time, Brando, according to the announcer. Which is this big, like, it's effectively wrestling? No, uh, well, I mean... 
it's pankration is specifically the term they use, which is the Greek term for ancient wrestling. Uh-huh. Which, I mean, it, it's kind of kind of pro wrestling combined with like rock and soccer robots. Yeah. <laughs> because specifically, um, this is a, this is also kind of one of the other interesting ideas that the con- that the story uses. Uh, when we see Brando in the ring, it's a suit he puts on. Yeah, it well, it's a suit he puts on. It's a suit that rips out his head and heart. Yeah, well, it's it it's he he plugs himself into a different body intended for combat versus his everyday body. Yeah, so yeah, so as that fight winds down, we go backstage and we see Gesicht. Uh, rolling with rolling to Brando, and behind the massive robot with like the flame decals and shit on it, uh, we see just this kind of portly dude, a guy who looks like a more traditional wrestler. Like he straight up has the boots. He has the he has the one piece on. He is a this is this is the most like Greco Roman looking motherfucker. As yeah, the two of them just kind of begin talking, catching up. Uh, Having a having a very human conversation while kind of talking about how the fact that neither of them are human, right? Because they, they do mention yeah, that, they, do, they mention that a bunch I, that like, they mentioned it a couple times. Yeah, they mentioned it a couple times in the story that isn't like robots don't really make unnecessary moves, and so there's kind of like that uncanny valley thing of oh, they look like robots, but they look like humans, but they move like robots, kind of thing where it's not super easy to translate in still images, right? Yeah. But another thing I really like that most series also, this is another thing more hack series would do. Um, most of these robots don't seem all that bothered by the fact that they're robots. Yeah, no, they just kind of are. Like, they're, they're fully cognizant of, they're fully aware of the differences and how people see them. And they just kind of are like, yeah, I'm a robot, whatever. Want to come and have some tea? Because there's another thing, these robots in this world, in order to appear more human, they drink tea a lot. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a great line, I'm trying not to get too far ahead, from Adam at the start of volume two. Uh, actually, it might be in this volume, I can't remember. But, uh, it's uh, not. All right. Where, Ad- where Gesicht asks Adam, why are you eating ice cream? We This doesn't do anything for us. Uh, to which Adam responds, well, see, here's the thing. I've I think I've imitated humans doing this so much that I kind of get why they like it now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we'll discuss that when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Brando takes Gesicht over to his house, which is just this little... It's an apartment in, like, the dumpier side of town because uh, in the like in the main city, it's, like, massive skyscrapers, fucking ghost-in-the-shell nightmare city. Yeah. Uh, but then you get further out into, the in like, the boonies, and it's just a regular modern-day city. But because it's the future, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, as uh, Brando opens up his door and his kids meet him because he has five fucking kids. Yep. And his wife, who Happ- I don't happily think... Happily married with yeah. five kids. Yeah, happily married to his wife, who I don't know if we ever get confirmation if she's a robot or not. Uh, not At least not in the parts of the story I've read, no. Yeah, uh, it's so... It's so cool. It's so, like... There's so many layers to the way robots exist in the society. Yeah, oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, guess, uh, yeah, Gesick stays for dinner, and yet yeah, we just get to see this fucking insane fighting champion robot war machine. 
just get completely emasculated by his wife just saying, eat some fucking salad, you goddamn nightmare. <laughs> you gotta teach these kids to eat fucking good food. Right. It's great. It's just super nice, fun, light with that like overhang of like just dread because you know this guy's gonna get targeted. Well, yeah, but I, I like how uh, he's so positive in comparison to everybody else at this point. Like, he's trying to have, like, a different outlook on his life. Like, and you could tell that the family is an important aspect of it for him, right? And yeah. obviously that plays out later on. But yeah. I think that's that's what I think is, uh, uh, again, like, just small differences like that between all these characters. Like, I think he focuses on really important different aspects, human aspects with everybody that you encounter in yeah. in this story, right? And that's what, um, yeah, I just love that. I lo- it's it's just such a little thing, like detail, but it it, it works it works really well. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, and a thing that I want to mention that I didn't notice until looking right now. I'm not sure if it's like, I'm not sure if it's like a printing error or something, but like the version I got, as they're kind of talking about this, um, like they're drinking uh something. Some kind of like energy fluid, effectively robot alcohol. Just kind of talking about how Brando was like good friends with Mont Blanc and how he didn't deserve to die that way. And also how North number two got killed and how Brando is probably going to be targeted next. And as they're kind of going through. The panels, at least in my printing of it, get like skewed. Where it looks like where it looks like someone did the layout and then just like turned it like ten degrees, which I don't know if that was like intentional or a printing error or something, but it it's interesting. It kind of it kind of plays off the idea that they're drunk. I didn't notice that personally, but again, I was... I, again, the version I'm reading could just be a printing error or yeah, a scanning possibly. error or something. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. I I don't notice that in my copy, so I think that might be the case. But that's actually interesting that they did that. Yeah, assuming they did it, this could just be me. Uh, this could just be me reading into it. I don't know. Yeah, reading it's, into it or like uh, or like yeah. uh, crediting crediting a mistake. Sure. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Hmm. I, um. But yeah, I don't see that in my copy. But it's yeah, it's yeah. possible. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, they head out and kind of begin heading home as as Gesit gets another flash of that old man asking for 500 Zeus's body. As as a Brando kind of starts talking about um starts talking about luck. He has described himself as like a lucky man. Uh and says like so like humans often leave a lot of like to fate, but I'm going to grab my own luck. I make my own fate. I'm going to, because I have a family. I'm going to make sure I have luck on my side. Right. So hey, if you're in, you're in trouble, give me a call. I'm lucky. Remember, it's 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 just this nice little thing, having him like having him be a guy down to fight. Mm-hmm. But it's almost based. He's entirely, not battle hungry. Yeah, he's not battle hungry. He's. He's a guy looking. Yeah. He's a guy looking for a good scrap, and if you fuck with his friends or family, he will destroy you. Right, and yeah, and I think that's what it is at its core is that he's he's not looking for trouble, but yeah, he's down if it happens, and yeah. he's more just concerned about not being there in his family's life as a result. Like I think, like that's why, like 
doesn't really get into it because so he's just trying to enjoy the moment when he comes to him and tells him this. But like, I think that, um, and again, I think that at this point in time, it's hard to tell. But I, what for what happens in the second volume, that definitely illustrated illustrated a little bit better that that's what what he cared about most, right? Uh-huh. Um, and, and and I think, and also I do want to call out, like you said, like that um, this that him getting the flashback of the five hundred Zeus of body moment. That is a th- that kind of thing though. This type of moment of him you know, having these flashbacks and stuff like that um that is a that very uh irisawa um trope though in all of his things i think yeah. like having some sort of callback to some sort of like moment or or memory of something that happened like that he kind of keeps bringing up that doesn't really make sense until like the end of his stories usually like that's something i think that you, you see in a lot of his his work i think uh is something like similar to that in that yeah. sense yeah yeah as we then cut to a day in the rain, uh, as a bunch of kids are heading down the road, uh, kicking a ball, uh, runs into Gesicht, who hands them their ball, and they go on their way. As Gesicht sees a kid behind them kicking a rock down the road before kicking into a bush and goes and picks up a snail. And this is and this is Astro Boy, Tetsuan Adam. Yeah. And that's the end of volume one. So good. It's so, so good. good. It's so good. Like, like. Sh- like even before we get like that discussion of like oh humans did this a lot so so I figured out why like I've been I've been imitating humans so much I figured out why they like it just a bunch of kids kicking a soccer ball and then Astro Boy kicking a rock like a ball down the street. Yeah, I mean I just can't stress enough that in this one volume that contains like I don't know hundred and something pages hundred and what is this hundred and eighty pages hundred sixty pages I'm trying to look at for the page count here, uh-huh. um, but it's, it stops bringing it up the further you go into the volume. Um, it has so much in here, like it, it's like it, in comparison to other things that we've talked about here on the channel, even more recently, like the fucking Gypsy book or like you know like so many other things. Like I hate to compare it to this, but like just things where they do so much with so like it's you know what i mean like in this yeah. in this one volume like alone yeah more we're than an hour and a half in yeah it's 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 just great so many things to comment on and it's just it's it's wonderfully done yeah I, it's yeah yeah it's it's so good and ending it ending the astro boy adaptation on introducing astro boy right right so That's good. a ballsy move. I mean, and obviously, like in Japan, because that those things are more serialized when they're coming out, anyways. Yeah, j- j- just like waiting, how like like just reading this like week to week in a magazine and trying to go, okay, when's Adam showing up? When's Adam showing up? And he finally shows up. Yeah, I mean, this would have taken a while for after like to get seven through. months, maybe. That's what I mean. This would have taken a long while for that to actually happen. Uh, you know. Um, and I, and I like that he just took the basis of a story and a character and made it his own thing. Like, I, I love that he didn't just make it a straight up adaptation. Like it was yeah, such no, a twist it's, on that. Yeah. It's like, so, you know I mean? di- like, it's so different from anything that, uh, Tezuka did not to, mm-hmm. not to say it's like better or worse or anything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, fu- I'm not gonna fucking put my favorite no. author against the God of manga. No, but this is this is this is this is Irasawa. Like you know what I mean? Like this is that through yeah. the lens of like what his one of his stories would be. This is so genuine to him and what he does with his stories more than it is like him just copying Zuka. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's it's it, it it feels it feels authentic in that sense. Like this is him just taking that that character and and basically doing what he does with his things, right? Like it yeah, it's great. Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, yes, that's volume one. Before we move on to volume two, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, everybody. Sorry about that. Uh, did a little bit of investigating, and also the thing that I mentioned last time about the page, about the panels being off kilter and thus looking drunk, that was a scanning error on my part. On my end, so, you know. Anything I said about that, take it back. It didn't actually happen. <laughs> As we move on to volume two. Starting off with the uh, Japanese Metropolitan Police Force investigating a murder and house destruction. Hmm. As we just see this uh, old style Japanese house just completely collapsed. As these cops just kind of investigating and we kind of get to see. We get to meet a person who straight up hates robots. The. The. Head investigator guy, uh, Superintendent Tawashi. Mm. Like as he's investigating, a uh, couple of like robots in like orange jumpsuits who are just like clearing out the debris and scanning everything. Uh, they just they just, they just talk to him once, and then this guy's like, "Hey, any robot have enough horsepower to knock over a fucking house like this, right?" Just looking at him like they're looking at him with just like barely held disdain. As the two of them are just like, "I don't. Why are you getting mad at me?" As we get to the back and see uh, the victim strung up with horns. Uh, victim's name is a Junichiro Tosaki, a professor of law who came up with the idea of the international robot laws. Uh-huh. Uh, and the guy straight up says he's racist against robots. Yep. Yeah, that guy probably but yeah, he said push for push for freedom and equality for robots. Probably a lot of folks aren't too don't think too kindly of him, including myself. Christ can't even. Well, it's nice to see that uh, to see both kinds of racism: the barely contained contempt of some kinds, and the other of the under uh, under the belly seething hatred of others. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's a world of nuance. <laughs> <laughs> Humans have learned how to hate a lot of different ways. Yeah, sure. it's a spectrum. A thing they hate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so as they're about to leave, uh, Inspector Tawashi's like, Horns. Ain't there been some murders lately involving horns? Yeah. As they pull up uh, the file on Mont Blanc and Bernard Lonke. I just realized this is what would happen if Harvey Bullock was police chief in Gotham. He wasn't that bad, was he? Uh, oh yeah, he was. <laughs> Do you not remember the series? I don't. I I don't remember a lot about Bullock. I mainly remember like later interpretations of Bullock from the comics, where he's like kind of a shit, but mostly okay. Yeah, he was always like a shit, but not like not one of the bad. Co- like he's not incompetent, and like he's not on the payrolls. Yeah, which is like he's not incompetent uh, or hateful. He's just kind of a dick. Right. Right. But yeah, so uh, the cop, yeah, so uh, the Japanese cops go to call in, uh, go call in Europol to get their people on it. But whoopsie doops, the guy on it's a robot. Mm-hmm. That's gonna make things awkward because one of them's racist. Meanwhile, Gesicht is over in a cafe with Adam. It's Adam orders some ice cream, and it's that bit uh, Bertie was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. As yet, yeah, we just see. We just see fucking Adam 
just interacting and it's already a very stark difference between the two seeing them because like up until now we've seen like professional interactions and and like emotional interactions between people at like the same emotional level but now seeing a person who is a child and very much human despite being a robot and then seeing a robot who doesn't really understand human that well and just seeing like the very distinct difference and like seeing just Adam just like whoa that kid's got a remote control fucking spaceship that's sick as hell (laughs) it's little shit like that that makes him feel like a real kid and then he'll talk because he's a robot and super intelligent where he is just very much not a kid. Like Gesick yeah, mentioned, which Gesick I, I mentioned, like that they can do both because a lot of times when they do robot kids, it's just the robot part. They can never get the humanity part. Yeah. Gesick mentioned that like looking at him, his recognition system goes weird because he can't tell if he's human or robot and they do a really great That's job. Right. Of, and like, yeah, Ugh, fucking order. does such a great job of showing that off organically without it just being, like a fucking system info readout. Mm-hmm. It's so great. And and like this, I, entire, this entire scene is just like him talking to Adam, just trying to figure out what his deal is. Mm-hmm. Because Adam, both kind of within the world of Astro Boy and the world of this, is so much more advanced than basically every other robot. Yeah. Yeah, but what makes it, um, yeah, which what I like though is like you said because um, like he doesn't act like it. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't like he could be walking around like, oh, yeah, I'm the shit. I'm clearly more advanced than all you guys. You know, it's like, just a thing right? that it, it's, it's just a thing that is. He's still just a kid. He's just a kid who is different. Yeah, but that's what makes him so. Um, yeah, it makes him like uh, a great character, right? Yeah, like, I think it's just yeah. That's it's it's it is part of the reason I think he's very lovable right from the start. You're yeah, like, absolutely. Like this, this yeah, this does a really great job of being its own thing, but still kind of feels like it captures who Astro Boy is. Mm-hmm. It's so great. As yeah, they also learn Astro Boy's horrid backstory of being sold to a circus. That reminded me of that uh, Spielberg AI movie or whatever. The, um, <laughs> the Spielberg Kubrick well, movie? I mean, it, 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 that, that would fit well because the thing about AI is that was Kubrick trying to make a Spielberg movie hmm. and then Kubrick died. So Spielberg tried to finish it, but he tried to make it like a Kubrick movie. So it's it's nothing but, oh, this is this is like putting a square peg into a round hole inside of a triangle. Yeah, it's just like a, nothing fits. Just a weird clash of styles that were Like we talked yeah. about we talked about fucking cyclical, cyclical entertainment. That one's that one's like a fucking Ouroboros. It really is, and I don't feel like I've rewatched it since it came out, uh, maybe once, but I, at the time I was very puzzled by it and I I just I, I, That's one I would have a hard time rewatching just because it's so weird. Yeah. That's but and that's not what I mean. fun weird. Yeah. No, I know, and I re- I recall that being one of the darker parts of the film is when he is like sold off or something into like a isn't it like a it's not a circus it's something like along the lines like that isn't it? it? It's like kind it's like kind that? of it's kind of circus kind of like robot death right. pit. Right. Right. So like this scene did remind me of that 
though in that sense like in the just like this the fragment of what i recall about that stuff from that movie right yeah like, I, i'm sure it, i'm sure it's very different but when when i did read this like you said about his like dark past of what happened to him i was just like it reminded me of that ai movie in that sense yeah but anyway at that point uh Gesicht gets down to business and it's like hey someone is out there trying to destroy the seven most advanced robots in the world i think you're one of them Mm-hmm. And Adam manages to convince him to swap memory chips so that Adam can get a full processing of what's happened. Right. Yeah, as uh, Adam excuses himself to go to the bathroom and goes and has himself a nice little cry mm-hmm. because he saw Gesicht's life, saw everything he's having to deal with, and can't handle it because he's a fucking 10 year old. Yeah, it's so it's just nice. It's these it's these nice little character beats that just keep reminding you that Astro Boy, regardless of the power, is still a child. Yeah, particularly once she's introduced right at the end of this volume, but they do more with her later on. His sister. Yeah. But anyway, they they begin heading out, and Astro Boy kind of like pokes the phone. It's like, hey, you're planning to come to you're planning to come to visit your wife, ain't you? Yeah. Uh, oh, your wife's, your wife's pretty lovely, though. And he's like, stop fucking reading my memories, you shit. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. As. Yeah, it's it's just, it's this nice little character beat where Gesicht gets to, like, relax a bit. Because mm-hmm. he even mentions, like, as they are, like, as he's leaving this kid. He was able to find himself be overcome with emotion. Because it's never 100% clear, like, how much emotion robots actually feel. Mm. Outside of Astro Boy, who feels for realsies. Right. Yeah. As we move on to Chapter 9. At uh, the uh, Tokyo City Metropolitan Police Headquarters. As his two people arguing over car redesigns for the police force. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Tawashi and the other guy as they head off to the hollow deck to get, to get a get a second look at the crime scene. Which I I dig this. I always dig like future tech in like practical uses. Mm-hmm. And just getting like the like weird holodeck thing going on just I like it when I like it when people think of stuff like that for future stuff. Sure, yeah. yeah, And good luck, Adam's, and hey, guess what, Adam's there, and he's got a visitor's pass, because with six memories and his fucking insane robot brain, he also is now a cop. Yeah, and I think there are a number of Astro Boy stories where he was helping the police, so. Yeah, and Tawashi goes full Paul Duncan, and it's just like, hey, you might be fucking smarter, but fuck you, you don't know anything about art. <laughs> you don't even know what tea tastes like, you little shit. Just super fucking, just a, just a aggressive piece of shit to this kid. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like if you, it's like if I should change my my wording just to make it a little sillier. It's not like if Bullock was the head of the police force. It's like if J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, I was, was gonna say it's, th- this is very Jonah, <laughs> even down to the mustache. God damn it! Get me photos of Tatsu on Adam doing something illegal. <laughs> I need photos of robots. 
I need photos of robots, damn it. <laughs> yeah, and so he's, yeah, so uh, Tawashi is just trying to, like, goad him, just saying, like, hey, yeah, another fucking robot's murdered a human. Human. I mean, we didn't find a single fingerprint or hair here anywhere, so how could the fuck could it be anything else? But then Adam immediately shows him up by going, hey, we See, got... there's fingerprints here. Yeah, there's fingerprints, and there's also two teacups and some red bean desserts. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Well, you didn't notice anything like that? Not making us look bad, kid. <laughs> You're doing that all... You do that fun by yourself. I'm just looking. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he continues his little Sherlock investigation. As they, as like they just kind of hung out and fucking just looked at hydrangeas in the garden before a tornado touched down and destroyed his fucking house. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's the a same tornado in the middle of nowhere affecting just this one house. Yep. As, yeah, because it, the tornado seems to precipitate the arrival of Pluto. Yep. It has yet to be explained how that happens, but it's just a recurring thing. As we get to get to the body finally, and good old Pluto gets introduced to Brow fifteen eighty nine. A great thing to introduce to a kid. But he notices that the, that the man had ink on his hands. Uh, runs back into the wreckage and finds a bottle of ink knocked over, as well as a collection of business cards uh, in a folder labeled Survey Group. Hmm. With one particular card having a massive stain on it. As we then cut over to the Ministry of Science. And presumably, uh, Professor Ochanamizu. Who's the chapter is named after. And he's yelling at a guy about what the fuck kind of... Why am I the person who has to decide the fucking look of these goddamn cars... Is holding up the design of just like a dog shaped car, like it's fucking dumb and dumber. <laughs> as he just like, as he's like trying to leave his trying to leave his office, go home, do something else, and people are just like, "Hey, you have 120 emails. All this shit's happening. Make these decisions." But then Adam rolls around, and we begin learning about uh, the survey group. Because, because uh, apparently uh, Bernard Lanc, as well as Junichiro Saki and uh, good old uh, Professor Ochanamizu, all of them were involved in the 39th Central Asian War as part of the Bora Survey Group. And they're also mm-hmm. being targeted along with the seven strongest robots. Yeah, and Bora is a recurring theme that they bring up several times in, throughout the story, but I still don't know what it means yet from where I've read. Yeah. So hopping into chapter 10, Hercules, which I've seen some sites and stuff credit this character as Heracles because that's the German version. Roman. Uh, yeah, that's the Greek version. Because mm-hmm. like, 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 like everything, every, like, yeah, I'm trying, I, can't, I can't remember if Heracles or Hercules, like, I can't remember which one's Greek, and which one's Roman. Heracles is Greek. Hercules is Roman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we also now finally get. A explanation of what the 39th Central Asian War was about. It's the Iraq War. 
not literally, but yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I have to admit, I didn't pick up on that, but I see what you're saying now. I, I, I didn't, I guess, even with the whole age. I, I just, I, yeah, but given the time frame and everything else. Yeah, given the time no, frame and I, the reasoning? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I because they don't blatantly say that, as yeah. uh, Dead said earlier, I guess I'm an idiot and I don't get metaphor. <laughs> I was like, um, I, I, I didn't see that. It here, was when they it, said they're looking for robots of mass destruction. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, no, I went in went right over my head in the Persian kingdom. <laughs> shit's awful. It's all living under oppressive dictatorship. Robots are treated like shit. All being ruled by King Darius the Fourteenth. He used a military might to like attack and invade neighboring countries in attempt to gain control of the entirety of Central Asia. But President Alexander of the United States of Thracia. Which that's a weird reference to pull to avoid saying the United States. Yeah. Uh, he kind of got for the United Nations to uh, pull together and make a treaty banning the manufacture and use of robots of mass destruction. And then as soon as it got passed, they're like, hey, Persia's got fucking robots of mass destruction. Let's go get them. God dang it. Uh, the UN dispatched the Bora um, survey group into Persia to go try to find anything. And they didn't. They did not find a single goddamn thing. Apparently there was like, apparently like there were like, the UST had some kind of evidence about something and they didn't find a single a robot of mass destruction, but there was a rumored genius living within uh, the kingdom uh, who had given the, who had given them like these massive robots, a guy called by the name of Dr. Goji. No idea if that was the real name or anything, but that was all their survey group. All the survey group could come up with just the name Dr. Goji and nothing else. It's like a DBZ villain. Yeah, it's like a DBZ villain. It's Dr. Jero. Dr. Jero. Dr. Goji. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that the survey team did find also was a was a tomb full of thousands of robot corpses. Uh, they said it was a the kingdom had said it was a dump site, but they couldn't investigate further because then the war started. As we then cut over to another wrestling match, or this one's more Brazilian jiu-jitsu from the looks of it. <laughs> As her UFC match. <laughs> yeah. Gets a dude in an arm bar. <laughs> Just fucking pops his goddamn arm off and then that deactivates him. This may be the end, folks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a double wrist lock. <laughs> By God almighty, he's going to break his arm off. <laughs> Well, no, so this is Hercules, the next robot on the list that Gesect got to go warn. As apparently in Greece, they built a giant statue to him right next to the Parthenon. Which Hercules does not like. Kind of similar in a vein to uh, Mont Blanc, because Mont Blanc was also offered a statue. They built the platform for it, and he was like, no, stop it. I don't want that. You'll fuck up the landscape. And they don't want to be idolized, like, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah, so Yeah, so uh Gesicht is here talking to Hercules, who, much like um much like Brando, 
when not in his pancreation suit, he's in his just a human body. And yeah, apparently he is about to have a fight against Brando to determine the true champion of all robots in the pancreation uh, suits. And I also get a little philosophical about talking about monuments and like the fallibility of human memory while robots can never forget anything unless they delete it. So all of them still have a pure memory of the war and all the horrible shit they had to do. Yeah, and we st- is this when we see the flashback to the 39th Asia- Central Asian conflict? Not yet. Okay. Yeah, all that happens, then we're back, we're back over to Tokyo. As Adam is asking Ochanamizu whether or not the person committing these murders is a robot or a human. And we begin, again, talking about, like, browse AI and whether there was a defect or not and how there wasn't. And it gets, you know, some discussion on whether or not a human being is just violence. Because if his AI is perfect and it perfectly mimics human behavior, and he's the only robot to have killed a human, doesn't say great things about humanity. Meanwhile, then, yeah, I think it's an interesting parallel, like like Rory said uh, coming up, though, as you kind of see for the first time that they were kind of. I don't want to see traitors, but because of the fact they were enlisted in this war against their own t- like kind, it's kind of like you know what I mean. Like it's like I'm not that human humans obviously go up against humans in war too, but like yeah. the fact that they took out robots as a result of being on that side of yeah, things. They, they took out robots that didn't have a choice. Right, they're basically just enlisted into this just as much as they. You know what I mean? Like they're well, like they weren't programmed even, for like, that. It feels reason. like they weren't even enlisted. Like like based on the way that they talk about Persia and the way they treat robots. One surprise the robots were like a slave army for Persia. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, in Turkey, a storm is brewing. To chapter 11. And here's where we get the flashback to the Asian War. The Persian, yeah, the Central Asian War. Yeah, great sp- great scene to yeah. open this chapter up. Yeah. Yeah, Brando uh, comes to Mont Blanc, who is just sitting, staring out at a field of corpses. Yeah. Yes, uh, Brando asked him how many destroyed. He just says a lot. Yeah, and what then? What I wanted to bring up about this scene, which is appropriate for something that happens later, is the like the way a lot of the robots in the present talk. It's like they all clearly have PTSD. Absolutely, like, and they, they they even have a term for it in story. They call it something else, but it's based it's PTSD. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but. All of them mostly handle it by like not liking to think about how many of their own kind they kill. The only one who seems to kind of approach it differently is Heracles, who mm-hmm. seems to like hide any sense of guilt for his actions under the premise of, dude, I killed so many. <laughs> well, yeah, like like you said, like, like even how- Brando, who's a similar type of robot mm-hmm. to Hercules, Heracles, is like not particularly happy about how many pe- of his own kind he killed, but Eric was like, dude, no, you had a whole bunch of kills. It was yeah, awesome. like like as like as Mont Blanc says, yeah, I've killed a lot. Heracles rolls up and is like, that's uncharacteristically vague for a robot, and then gives exact body counts. Right, and I and I think like 
he he's like he's kind of like almost like um the punisher like in this scene almost you know what i mean like he's just like he's just like so um like you know what i mean like just focus on the task at hand like yeah, he, yeah he's, he's not like he's not like yeah. battle hungry he's not like murder bot no, crazy he's just like vengeful, he's just like yeah we this- are we are here for a job you did your job efficiently yeah, I meant in that aspect only, not the, the way, like, you know what I mean? Like, just like he's like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is what we're here for type of thing. Like, and he just gets to it, right? Like, it's, yeah, that's, I mean, while the others seem like they feel dirty about about what went down, like, they don't like it. Like, he doesn't seem like he feels anything. Like, he's more robotic in that sense, but like yeah. you said. Like, and it feels, I, it I feels think... like intentionally robotic. He's trying to, like, cut off that part of himself. Yes. Because he obviously feels it, too. He's obviously, like... Oh, I, was PTSD. Never, I was never implying that he didn't have it too. I was yeah, just no. saying he it's just it's notable that he approaches it distinctly differently than the rest of them. Yeah, he approaches it more like it's cold, more cold. Yeah, like, it's it's objective and analytical. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah, that's absolutely but, but it's weird that but it's weird that like when uh like they get a broadcast coming in that shows Adam as being like, hey, leader of peacekeeping forces, we brought him, we brought down Darius. The fight's over. Woo! And he's the one who brings up, why were we fighting? What was the point of all this hate? Isn't it funny too, though? Uh, in this moment, he illustrates the fact that Mont Blanc had the most kills out of all of them. Yet he goes home and he's a hero. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, like he goes, he goes home, he's the hero, and he's also the one affected by it the most outwardly. Hmm. Because like, he kills the most, but he's like curled up in like almost fetal position on a hill, just <laughs> looking at what he did. Right. It's it's just interesting where he goes back, uh, Heracles, and is clearly not like hiding the fact that he's as affected as as all the rest of them in that sense, right? Like you know what I mean? Like, and again, I think it speaks to again how different people react coming out of war and the PTSD aspect that you guys mentioned about these guys in this scene, right? So yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, after that, we get Brando, who is looking at the storm coming in and, unfortunately, has to go do some work and can't take his kids to the zoo like he said they would. Mm. But don't worry. He promises next time. A real man never breaks their promises. Oh, what's that over there? A foreshadow? Well, it's also funny that, like, his wife thinks she's cheating on her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... And he doesn't outright deny it either. He's just like, come on, honey, I'm the, I'm the national hero. You got to do this yeah. sometimes. I'm the European champion, baby. <laughs> oh, whatever. Have fun at your interview. Yeah, as yeah, so Brando heads to the arena and goes and picks up his suit. Uh, he's, he's told like, yeah, we're not really allowed to bring him outside the arena. He's like, hey, I got to go train, you know, match against Heracles. I got to get fucking ready. But he drives out to like this little escarpment, escapement. There's a fucking bunch of rocks next to the, next to the ocean. And we see we get suited up as his robot rips off his head and rips out his heart. And he gets all fired up as the tornado begins to descend on him. Then in Greece, Gesicht gets patched in to a call to a call from Brando, where she then brings uh Heracles and Adam into as all of them just basically get a communication of Brando about to fight the about to fight the tornado 
and it's oh it's so good because we see none of it all we get is just like brando's we get brando's um like narration of what he thinks he's doing and then everyone else's interaction including adam who looks he's about to fucking break down he's just like on the verge of like just shitting himself and just crying as we also get our first like inverse look at Pluto as like everyone's right. like trying to just like get to Istanbul as quick as possible, try to fucking get him. And we just see in the storm, this horned thing with incredibly human eyes just staring at you. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. But no one's able to get there in time as Brando believes and says, Hey, I won. I did it. But, I don't think I'm making it. Yeah. As cool. he just like talks to Heracles and just says, Hey man, I was looking forward to our fight. What kicked your ass, but <laughs> And he tries to transmit them if you the die, I'll beat you to death. <laughs> yeah. And then he tries transmitting the data that he got from fighting the thing, but all it keeps getting come through are images of his wife and kids. Right. And that, that's, that's what I was referring about. That's all I can think yeah, about is he's dying. That's what I was referring to uh, earlier by like, you know, no, seeing that this guy, oh, that's what, what he may, mostly cared about, right? Yeah, it's. And, it's great. Yeah. It's so yeah. fucking heavy and just so. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, as he's translated those images for a brief second that only Adam sees, there is a blip. This little like jagged static line of just something. Mm hmm. And Brando dies. Yep. Adam, meanwhile, has been dropped off at, dropped off at home because Preston Ochanamizu was like, hey, kid, you need to be with your family right now. Mm. Which, yeah, good call. Uh, as they get out there to the, pla- to the place that the, the uh, broadcast is coming from, all they find is a massive oil slick in the ocean and a scan of different body parts. <sighs> but yeah, so Adam then kind of goes back through the goes back through the broadcast from Brando and finds that little static blip of something. And Adam interprets it as a small blip of overwhelming suffering. Because, fuck, man. It's like, yeah, North yeah. Is, North is like North is still the best. That's a close second. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Which I it feels weird to is... rank the deaths of these people. I, I think it's really just more what you relate to as well, though, because I think, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, like, have a family with kids and stuff like that of my own. And not to say that that's not tragic to understand, like, where somebody would be coming from. Like, but we all have families, clearly. But it's, like, um, but I think, like, the 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 aspect about it that really got me with the North uh, one is, 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 uh, is more of just because of the fact that they talk about art and like and music yeah. and like you know what I mean like and, and that aspect of it and and also two people coming to a sort of like understanding about themselves like you know what I mean like the the way that was structured and what it's what 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 it was about more got to me I think than the aspects of this story but like yeah 
Yeah, but I, I it was, it's it still was more, effective. Yeah, it's I think. Still effective. Yeah, I think with a like the like the North Number Two thing, it was a bit of abstracted because it was it was more like, hey, I want to learn music and not be a war machine anymore. Whereas this was, I have a family. Like I, I feel, right. I feel like just like maybe maybe it's for me, but like music especially hits me in a way that like just people don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I know. I, no, I get, I get what you're saying. No, I get what you're saying. I don't no, burn I, with I your. Comes... <laughs> <laughs> that's a very personal thing, right? I, yeah. I think, like, yeah, that's and uh, and and like I said, the for more for me, it was just about the whole thing conversation that they had about the art and creation of things, and, yeah, and, and that aspect of it, like, really got to me as well, too, right? And uh, and just like again, the remorse of the war stuff with him, like, yeah, it really. I mean, I like how they kind of spread it out over these volumes with this kind of coming. Like, again, the pacing, I think, is excellent. And maybe it would yeah. be different reading it like periodically like they put it out. But like for for this, I think like the fact that he kind of gets taken out at this point in the end of the second volume is just, yeah, really well done. Yeah, I thought. It's, like, so. it's this is effectively seven fights over the course of eight volumes. Yeah, as he as he's racing against time, like it's it is it's essentially like a race against time to basically find who this killer uh, find out who this killer is while uh, having these human experiences with every victim robot victim along the way, right? Like so, I I think you know it is it is a little bit more episodic in nature. That's why I thought this would be the better one to to kind of even talk about when we when we were discussing it, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, on to chapter thirteen, and we start off with a fucking dream sequence. As we see, old man, uh, five hundred uses body, but it's the, but it's the garbage truck. Uh, very similar to when he got Robbie's chip. Uh, it's Adam catching, getting the snail off of the thing. As Adam turns to look at Kasicht, it's Brow, who then immediately falls back into pieces and just like out exchanging memories, eh? And it just keeps getting worse and weirder. And I love these dream sequences and just oh, the fact that robots can dream. Period. Yeah, I, I commented on that when we were talking. I should have commented on that when you mentioned it earlier when we were talking to the uh, Gasit's doctor. It's like, hey, how about them dream sequences? Yeah, it's just a it's a nice thing. It's a nice, it's an interesting thing that they do with. Uh, it comes up so rarely in stories like this. Yeah, I mean, even though one of, uh, I think it was um, uh, Philip K. Dick who wrote the the can't do. Robot stream of electric sheep. So it's been a thing. Yeah, it's been a thing. It just shows up so rarely. For a while, but they yeah, they rarely talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as after dream sequence, it is the world uh mourning the loss of Brando. As the as like the news is broadcasting on it and uh the coffin of his uh like everyday use body. Uh, is being in, is in a coffin, is being carried into the stadium where he was wrestling as his wife and kids just in the crowd, just screaming and crying. As Gesicht is at home, just asks his wife to turn off the turn off the news and decides it's finally time to take the trip. He needs a break. Yeah. He was literally connected to a friend of his as he died. You need a vacation after that, I feel. Mm-hmm. So, Gesicht goes to the Marco Polo tourist agency, gets a little pop-up thing again. 
as he goes, hey, we're going to go book the fucking, we're going to book the trip with uh, with you and my wife. Let me go, let's go get her so we can get your uh, registration in the database. Turns out they're already registered. Which is oh. weird, because they've never gone on vacation. <laughs> She's never been outside the European Federation. And they've apparently already had a, they apparently already planned and went on a trip to Japan two years ago that neither of them can remember. Yeah. They do know they went on a, like, went to Spain as part of a thing, and they pulled their photos like, ah, so nice. Why are there so Wait many? And I love like he and his wife notice it at the same time. Right. Just like both of them are just looking at it, and then it just cuts down, both of them turning at the same time. <laughs> just having her be not just some hanger on, but actually be like a active participant in the relationship. I know, I know it's fucking a, like, like a backhanded thing to kind of say, hey, but Having a wife, having a wife in a story about a detective who is actually is a person that is in that is engaged in their relationship, right? It's nice. Yeah, because sometimes they're just very one note. Yeah, if they sense, exist right? at all, right? This right, is a noir right. story. It's even odds if that person is engaged in the relationship. Fatale, yeah, like, usually, like, well, femme fatale is like the other person, never the wife. Not the wife, but I mean, like, usually that is the woman in these types of stories, though, is that yeah. you can't really trust them. If there ever to, is right? a wife, it's though. Concerned wife on phone, as it were. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If, yeah if there is a wife, it's concerned wife on phone or dead. Yeah. Yeah, so as they're wondering, like, hey, did we take a trip to Japan? Uh, it then cuts to him getting uh, regular maintenance as he talks to uh, Professor Hoffman about, hey, Ken... Our memory can robot memories be manipulated? Have mine been deleted? If they were deleted, could they have uploaded fake memories and replaced the old ones? Mm-hmm. What is happening? Is that why I'm having nightmares? What the fuck? And Hoffman is kind of being cagey about it, not exactly answering, just kind of going, huh, that's an interesting thought. You know, we haven't really looked into too deep into robots doing this, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of playing it very close to close to the chest and then later talking to one of his superiors just Mm. begging him what the fuck did you do to Gesicht? yeah what are you hiding yeah it's it's a great it's fucking great just adding a adding a new dimension to this fucking hoffman character Mm -hmm. i'm just being a person who is very very like good bedside manner good professionalism but still cares Cause yeah, because that, that, that is what this is. He cares about Gesicht. Well, I think, like you said, like the way we got introduced to him in the last volume, we kind of were not sure about this guy. But then they kind of give you this scene with him actually going after his superior to kind of find out what exactly happened. So it kind of gives sheds some new light on this situation and maybe that this guy actually does care about him in some sense, right? Where before he was just like, he, he seemed like, you know, just going through the ra- like the rounds where he's just like, oh yeah, you know, how's how, how are your functions, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. okay. You look good to me. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and as he's talking to this guy, uh, we, he kind of begins talking about the Central Asian conflict and the, uh, and the seven most powerful robots in the world. With a bunch of them, with some of them dead now, how many is that left? It's two in Europe, two in Asia. These robots hold a lot of influence over the balance of power in the world. Hmm. 
Yeah, and he well, never I mean, directly. The reason they use the expression "robots of mass destruction." Yeah, and he never explicitly says anything, but it is very much hinted that he has been manipulating six memories in order to keep him within the European Union and within their control, so that you know Europe has yeah. that level of power of having a fucking RMD. Germany, yeah, Germany specifically has a mm. robot of mass destruction they can control. Yeah, they're they're more so strategically placed than anything, right? And that like they don't obviously see it that way, probably because they're out there living their lives. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely some tampering that has occurred here, right? <laughs> yes, something's been going on there, and the people in the people that he answers to are the reason behind it. We've got a chapter fourteen, an aspect of the story I completely blanked on. Fucking Doctor Roosevelt. Yeah, I forgot about this too, but uh, it, it's an interesting uh, idea. I thought, um, you know, it's as a stand-in using this uh, this um, it's bear, right? Yeah, <laughs> I forgot yeah. about there, it. There's a teddy bear in a spotlight and a rock on a, like a wooden chair. As this guy in darkness is kind of talking to him, saying like, "Hey, it's been a while. Sorry, I've been busy." Uh, as they kind of talk about, oh, I, I loved this image when they cut back to show what it's actually talking to. Yeah. Right. As 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 they just kind of talk about, um. How Mont Blanc's dead. North North number two's dead. Brando's dead. Uh, everything's been going well, mm-hmm. and all they're left are the two, uh, the two in Europe and the two in um, Asian, Asian, Asian. Yeah, a- the A S E A N is how they spell. So I guess instead of Asia or I guess they didn't want to say Asia. Asia so... Oh, it's the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, later joined by Brunei, Cambodia, Lao People's Democratic Republic, Myanmar, and Vietnam. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so he's like, yeah, there are four from left, and Dr. Roosevelt's like, do you think that's it? Do you really think it's all over? As... As this guy's like, well, time to go. Oh, as he's like, so long, Dr. Roosevelt. And the door opens and we see behind this little teddy bear, this massive fucking tentacle computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a very cool visual for sure. <laughs> yeah, just this really neat reveal of just this fucking Lovecraftian computer behind a teddy bear. <laughs> and meanwhile, in Vienna, Austria, another man has been murdered. And he's got horns. But this time it's a copycat killing. Because the guy who came in wore sneakers. Because Gesicht is just that good. But he's beginning to question if he's that good because his memories are fucking weird now. (sighs) And we get a little news broadcast just kind of talking about the four-year anniversary of the Central Asian War. Democracy is restored back in Persia. And things are back to normal. As we get another flashback of Gesicht uh, going in and trying to clear out, I guess, what is told is a terrorist cell. But he bombed babies. Well, they bombed babies. Mm. Yeah, smart Mm. bombs. Not so smart. Yep. was always the joke at the time. Yeah. As Gesicht kind of thinking back on that, decides to head back to the robot correctional facility and go talk to Brow again. 
as that is happening, is also being intercut with a speech from President Alexander. As he's talking about, like, true peace, something like that. Uh, when will we ever rid the world of all its weapons and finally establish a true and lasting peace? Hmm. We create utopia on Earth as it kind of zooms into a little teddy bear behind the president. Because fuck. Uh. And as it's happening, Gesick decides to exchange memories chips with Brow. So, so that is one criticism of this. I think that like it's not like a huge deal breaker for me. But if I had to say something, I think that he played this card a little too early in this story. Like I, I'm surprised that he gave yeah, it up at this point in time. I'm surprised that he gave it up this early because it like do, it I, doesn't I, matter yet. I some, I've read the first four volumes. It does not matter yet. Yeah. Uh, given the story of what it's been told, I can understand why Gesicht is doing it now. I can't understand why in the story it's happening now. That's what I mean. Like, I'm not saying that I think that it would have made it would make perfect sense if this occurred at some point during the story. But I just don't think this was the moment for it. Um, I just thought you should have got a little deeper into things where he's kind of like, I'm out of options here now. And then and then do it right. Like, but again, that's it's a minor thing. Like I as criticism, not where I don't think it's like a deal breaker, but you know, in the sense, like it ruined the story in any means, but uh -huh. I just think that he should have kept this maybe till a little later in the, in the, in the story, but yeah. Yeah. So no, yeah. So they, we went to chapter 15, they exchange memory chips and it does not go well for a <laughs> Oh, <laughs> as it is just this cacophony of images that is like some weird fucking vortex goop dripping down a scene from 2001 a Space Odyssey numbers, a <laughs> pile of flesh, a collection of just writhing, screaming, laughing faces. As it just kind of is a bit too much for Kasik, who says, hey, I couldn't read the data, hands it back and. Uh, Brow's like, yeah, I doubt that, you fucking idiot. <laughs> As he also reveals that he knows about the massive supercomputer living and working behind the president of Thrasia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it mentions the 500 Zeusa body thing to him as well. Yeah, like as they're leaving, he, as they're leaving, he's like, <laughs> he's like, hey, did you find any, did you find any traces of it being modified, any memories and stuff? Yeah, I found it very interesting. It was cool to see the outside world. It was a waste of time coming here. And then he does the if I've heard a body. Yeah, if he, like if you wanted to be any creepier upon his departure, there, there, yeah. that was the moment. I think, I think he starts giggling to himself. Yeah, he just gives him that weird look back as he's walking away. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what did I just do? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, off the coast of Turkey, they are still trying to pull off Brando's body from the bottom of the ocean. And Heracles is watching. As his agent is there, like, they're like, you're going to get back into the ring. We got to build the card for WrestleMania. <laughs> and as he's just kind of screaming, like, hey, go in there and fucking fight. We need to, you can, so much shit, I can sue the balls off you. Uh, Heracles is just like, they haven't found a single piece of the, of the killer's body. It's like they've been finding pieces and pieces of Brando all over the place. So why can't they find a single piece of the thing that killed him? And they, but they find Brando's arms as a collection of a couple of officers kind of come over and it's like, hey, we found them. They're on the outcropping of the rocks, like a couple hundred, like a hundred kilometers offshore. 
as he hops on a hover Segway and flies out into the water, finding his arms in the rocks, branched up like horns. Yeah, that was clever. I liked that. Yeah, it was great. And he also finds Brando's memory chip with arms. That's right, yeah. As, yeah, it's... Oh, that's got to be rough. Meanwhile, in Tokyo, a bus transporting a bunch of animals uh, flips over and is horrendously destroyed, but all the animals get out. Ten big cats. As they're kind of circling around a kid, a little girl comes up and starts talking to him. And they're all like, and all the animals are like, oh, cool, a new kid. Let's go play with her. As the cops all kind of pull their guns, and she just screams, put your guns away. They're just scaring the cats. And it's real. It's Erdan, Astro Boy's sister. And thus ends volume two. Stuff. Yeah. It, Pluto's so fucking good. Not that I was in fear of this, but I'm so glad that uh, this isn't one of those cases of me revisiting something I ha- I hold in high regard that I read years ago and that I'm just like, that's just sat on my shelf here. And, and it, it, it was nice to revisit it and be yeah. like, yep, it's still as great as I remember. Yeah, it's still as great. Like, still hits as hard. Yeah. It's, it's fucking phenomenal. <sighs> Birdie? I mean, yeah, I don't really have much else to add beyond that because, like, I think we're all mostly in agreement. When we we had decided or suggested, I guess, months ago that we wanted to do a uh, a Urasawa manga discussion on the show, we were just like, which one's appropriate? Because Monsters too dense, Twentieth uh, Century Boys is too long and too dense, yeah. and uh, Bat Boy. Billy, Billy Bat, uh, I don't think was ever fully released in the States, so that would be kind of oh. inappropriate. And I don't think anyone remembers Master Keaton at this point. So Yeah, so this was kind of the only option we had. Yeah, and and I think it just, like it, like we talked about earlier, it just it works really well because of the fact it's so episodic in nature. And, yeah, it's... Uh, and it's it, 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 in terms of, like, uh, the mystery and big things happen every volume, I feel like. Yeah, and, it, uh, yeah, it's... It, it it does a really great job of like episodically telling a serialized story. Yeah, and and like and, and just through the method of introducing you to a new character every volume and kind of that being the main focus, while you know uh, moving the story along at the same time, it's just that the pacing is all just really well done. And for it being an eight volume series, I yeah. think it's one of the one of the shorter mangas that when people ask me for a suggestion for a manga that they wanted that they that maybe they're new to manga or that it's easy for them to check out because they see something like One Piece where there's ninety something volumes out in English. And it's uh, I think that's actually undercutting it now, Nico. I think there's like a hundred plus now. I've yeah. been and translated in English yeah. so far, though. Is there over a hundred now? Because I, uh, I not quite. I am checking. Okay. I think it's ninety something volumes at this point. I think Fizz is, but but still, even so, yeah. a lot of these uh, series. Amusingly, as a similar example, um, uh, uh, Jeff Thu, another I think Canadian uh, guy who talks about shit on the internet. Yep. Uh, was talking about what is it? Um, let Goku die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So at time of recording, the 101st volume of One Piece was released in English December 6, 2022. 
Oh fuck! So there you go. I didn't know if they reached 100 as of yet. I knew it was coming. I knew they were going to. One yeah. uh, volume 102 is coming out April 4th. There you have it. But I think that's overwhelming for a lot of people. So Absolutely. Like, this is easy, One piece this is, is an easy recommendation. Be like, here, this is eight volumes. Here you go. Like, this yeah. is a complete story. Right? I fucking love One Piece. I will right. never recommend One Piece as someone's first manga. No. No, I, God, I, no. That's like Brett saying their first anime should be DBZ or something like that. It's just like, it, yeah, your, fir- your first anime should be the entirety of Dragon Ball, including GT. <laughs> just, to, um, just to really turn them off it. Yeah, well, that's but, the, but yeah, to, to the point I was trying to make is just this is an easy recommendation to someone to say, like, if you're into anything that this like this, you know, sci fi at all or you yeah, sci fi, like, like, like mystery. Uh, yeah, then this is an easy recommendation. It's eight volumes. I think, like like we just said on this recording here, you could just easily read this first volume and get sucked into this story. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. It's, it's you know, I, I so, yeah. You, yeah, you can read that first volume, be incredibly engaged, and then wonder who the fuck Adam is. Yeah. yeah being so like, why are they calling Astro Boy Adam? I don't get it. <laughs> and then that turns you away, and you never read it again until, like, 17 years later. And you go like, oh, I should have read this when you told me to. It was amazing. <laughs> and the and the uh i gotta give uh, i think viz did a really good job on the printings of these single volumes each one has like a character's face like on the on the cover like a different main character like robot that we yeah. need along the way yeah volume one's um, six volume two's adam i think volume three's Uran. uh yes yeah which hey i'm, I'm glad viz did something right by urasawa <laughs> uh for reference, uh, I don't know if you know this story. No, uh, probably not. Um, the monster anime was released in the States in the early 2000s. Uh, but the first DVD of Monsters sold so badly that Viz was like, okay, we're not doing any more of these. So they never released the rest in the state of them. And because of that, until very recently, it was impossible to legally stream Monster in the States because Viz, despite still being a company, just was not doing anything with the property. Okay, well, that's a shame then. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, Um, it's not great. Yeah, yeah, no, I did not know that. Um, But I, I do... I do think they've done a good job in terms of at least the publishing a lot of these things of his like the monster and the 20th century boys now they both release these like perfect editions which are like two volume in one editions and um and yeah like it's great like i think there's like about nine volumes of monster you can collect a whole series because they've doubled up essentially all of the volumes by uh doing these two of one so you get like a nice big chunk like essentially it would be like four pluto volumes if they collected it that way right so yeah it's, well uh, i mean they did something similar with monster monster used to be that's what i was talking uh, about monster. 30 yeah. oh yeah that's what you meant i thought you were talking about pluto because i have the individual pluto volumes no this They've just have this for Pluto right now. They've never yeah. did the 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 um the perfect editions for these. It's one of the only ones they haven't done that for his stuff with. Yeah. But which hey, maybe if the anime does well, it might do that. It might. Who knows? It's un- it's unfortunate the at the anime is stuck in Netflix jail, but yeah, it's not great. Yeah, I, I would like to see more of uh, another um, manga I really like that they did an anime of, um, which also landed on Netflix, Doro Hedoro. But they, uh, there's no, there's no news on that actually having another season either. So, well, <laughs> in, in, in fairness, in fairness to, in fairness to, to that, anime seasons have a history of having potentially years between them. 
Hmm. Like it's not it's not like uh it's not like oh yeah they've been they've been like this has been picked up for a season and then three episodes and they go it's been picked up for five more seasons. It's like no it's oh it's been, oh, it's been adapted into an anime. They make a chunk of it. Depending on depending on how the, long the manga has been going on, they will typically then end it with a, like an actual ending, and then if it gets picked up for a second season late, years later, they will then ignore that ending and go on to what the what the actual manga did. Right. Yeah. And they often try to give themselves more time now by doing these like mid season breaks between parts of the anime to give the book release more time to finish if it hasn't finished yet. Mainly because they're trying to uh, avoid now um, uh, kind of a a bugaboo of the anime industry, which is the anime original ending. Yeah. Right. Well, are you referring to like the fact that like there's like the two different versions of Full Metal Alchemist and shit like that? Well, yeah, that that specifically happened because no one liked the ending of the original Full Metal Alchemist. For some reason, the secret to alchemy was Nazi Germany. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. That was Pluto, and that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back in April with The Power of Shazam. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. First time reading that one. Yeah, same. Particularly since apparently the movie's not all that great. Yeah, no, it's not great. I was already a bit worried about it when Zachary Levi did all his little anti-vax shit. It's too bad. I liked the first one. I thought that was unexpectedly fun. Well, yeah, no, I actually was going to ask you about that dead... uh... Part of me kind of wants to riff the original Shazam movie because, you know, that was the one good DCEU movie. <laughs> yeah, the one good one. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. But anyway, until next time, everybody, I'm Dead. I'm Birdie. I'm Nico. We'll see you guys next time.